what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of jordan from smallville bat cat shipper this podcast is part of the batman universe podcast network and you can help support the batman universe by heading over to patreon.com slash the batman universe we are on episode 156 my name is tim and joining me and as always is dane dane we're back <laughs> finally it's, it's yes. been a month it's been a month of a lot of things going on that um, is for darn sure <laughs> yeah um and I don't know where to start. I don't know where I to know. start. Well, I guess we'll start to say why we didn't record yeah. <laughs> an episode or it's been a month since our last one is because the weekend where we usually record our episodes, as you know, we do it every two weeks. I was out of town as I took a trip to go to my friend and fellow co-host from the Star Wars Talk Continues podcast, Kyle, his wedding was that weekend of may the 4th star wars weekend of course so oh <laughs> that, i see well had to be the weekend where he got married well you know congratulations to kyle it's a big thing in life right i have to ask him i'm bubbling over with excitement right <laughs> how was the food the food was pretty good it was mediterranean really? food mediterranean wow. yeah and it's not the type of food i usually have too often <laughs> i don't think i've ever had it actually so it was a new type of dish for me to eat, but it was really good. So so it was kind of thing where it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to try that, but I don't want to seem rude. Exactly. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you ended up trying it and it was good? Mm, yeah. Oh, so okay. like either way, I could not not eat it. <laughs> I had to <laughs> put it on my plate, especially when you're part of the, the bride of the grooms, one of the groomsmen. So. Oh, right. And, so, and you were sitting in front of everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody can see you eat, Tim. <laughs> but yeah, we were like there at the head table, just Kyle and his wife, Allison. And then yeah. we were at the next table right after it. So we were like dead center. <laughs> Everyone could see right, right in front of the dance floor, too. So, <laughs> are, you a, are you a good eater or are you a bad eater where it's just like you're just shoving food in your mouth? <laughs> well, I'll say I'm a picky eater. I've gotten better. As I've gotten older, but as a kid, I was a very picky eater. Yeah. Or like, I pretty much like at some family gatherings, I wouldn't like what was served. So I had to like one of my aunts would always have to take me to get McDonald's or something. (laughs) I wouldn't eat and she would not allow me to go out an empty stomach. So she would have to get me something. I feel bad about it now being that picky and fussy, but I definitely come a long way since then. But yeah, no, I mean, especially since. You know, people took hours and hours to cook it for you, Tim. Exactly. (laughs) I know. Such a rude, snobby little kid. (laughs) Interesting choice in food, I'd say. Uh, Mediterranean. I don't think I've ever been to a Mediterranean restaurant or had that kind of food. Yeah, I mean, I tried a few different dishes that weekend. The wedding was Mediterranean food, and then for the rehearsal dinner, there was Thai food, which I never had before. That was good as well. So oh. expanding my food horizons. <laughs> <laughs> beyond uh, Taco Bell. Yeah, beyond Taco Bell, uh, Jack the Box, Wendy's, all that <laughs> fat, normal fast food stuff. <laughs> I, I will say uh, Jack in the Box, their breakfast burritos are really good. Really? I've I yeah. never had their breakfast burritos. I had some of their stamp breakfast sandwiches, but never a burrito. Yeah, I had them one the other day. I was... Uh, going to work and you know i was feeling hungry and didn't bring anything with me so decided to go to jack in the box and got a coffee and then i uh the the lady asked me if i wanted to try their new breakfast burrito or whatever it is 
and yeah, tried it. It's really good. I'll have to put that down as a place to try if I need to get a fast food breakfast place. I usually just go to McDonald's or Starbucks because Starbucks actually has good breakfast sandwiches. Yeah, but Starbucks, like, it's kind of expensive. I mean, I. It is, see, yeah. See, <laughs> I'm not oh, going to argue okay. with that. Okay. No, no, because I, I thought it was just a me thing where it's. A, it's well, I can know, imagine it's more expensive for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Hawaii, like expensive. So. so it's, it's kind of expensive and it's just one of those things that I, I just have to take a chance with because it doesn't look very good. You know, they, I mean, I'm not sure about um, your Starbucks, but they have like the display with the plastic. Um, oh okay like, um, like the sample show like, yeah 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 and i'm like i don't know if that looks good so. <laughs> see the ones i go to they're or drive through starbucks and i see the pictures on the menu those always look good so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how i try it oh but. i see no but yeah so you know after trying different foods i've never had before yeah. <laughs> about everything went well at the wedding it was a you know it was in arizona so me and my friend paul drove up there and then the one thing I was nervous about, like being in the wedding party, because yeah. this is the first time I was a groomsman in any wedding party, is like, oh, I got to make sure, you know, I don't trip walking down the aisle <laughs> or walking <laughs> down the stage. But then, like, the thing I was worried about the most was, like, the day before I found out, you know, how, like, the wedding party enters the reception, like, the, the DJ announces the bride and groom and then yeah. the bridesmaids and the groomsmen. So they were told us, okay, they're going to send you a name, but you're going to have to, like, dance to the dance floor. Oh, like, you're like, oh, no. Like, I am by no means a dancer. I hate dancing. <laughs> I don't know how to dance. I think I look foolish doing it. So, like, oh, so I just have to choke it up. And I don't even know what I did. I just moved my arms on something. You should, <laughs> like, have, should have did, a, like, a, a break dance, Tim. Yeah. That's what you should have came out as. Uh, oh man yeah it's like what's it because i know uh, kyle had videographers film his wedding yeah. and all if he posts that stuff on like social media or anything on facebook <laughs> I, i'm not gonna watch myself dancing. Oh, please kyle please can you do that for me can, can you send that to me uh kyle please just the, <laughs> just the part with tim I, I just have to see that as a thing that he, you know how like people want to go see I don't know, the Great Pyramids, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People want to go see, you know, uh, Big Ben over in England. I want to <laughs> I want to see Tim dance. Uh, well, I will tell you, it's a rare sight to behold because <laughs> I rarely do it. <laughs> but now there's evidence of it, so, uh, yeah, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, everything. <laughs> nice wedding it was great to hang out with kyle and my friend ball all together there so it was a lot of fun did he do the uh bachelor pa- bachelor party and everything uh, yeah uh no. we, there was a place in arizona i forget the name of it yeah. uh but it was kind of like a sort of like a dave and busters type thing mm. but there was like bowling and uh, laser tag my first time doing laser tag which was pretty fun so that was, that was the the bachelor party the day before or two days yeah. before the wedding, so that's like when we got there in Arizona, we went got to get to rent my tux and then went straight to the bachelor party. So it was it was a long day, that long drive up and then yeah. just doing the bachelor party. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You drove, you, I mean, you drove there. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't too bad actually. I mean, it it was about 
five to six hours to get there, but it Jeez. went by pretty fast. You see, that's what I don't get about you, um, people on the mainland. Like, how, how can you drive? I mean, the, the only experience I have with it is uh, we went to uh, South Carolina, and then we drove from Columbia, South Carolina, Carolina to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. How do you drive in a straight line so like <laughs> so for, for for so long? That's what I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's pretty much from California to Arizona. It's just a straight straight line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That you like, go there, but how do you not? I prefer like, I prefer sleep. just a straight drive. You don't have to worry about weird turns or curves or different freeways you got to take to get there as long as it's like a straight drive i think that makes it more better for me anyway yeah but how do you not like fall asleep or <laughs> you know <laughs> that's where music comes in <laughs> that's actually like i said yeah. i drove up there with my friend paul who you know chatted away so <laughs> talking to each other helped not only keep me awake but make the time fly by too so it was a mixture of things that made it not seem as long oh so um he lives by you then he lives in Seattle, so he actually oh. flew down to California, and then we drove from here to there. Why don't he just fly to Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually cheaper to come over here. So. Oh, right, right. That's just like a 20-minute flight, right? He loves doing road trips, too, so it all <laughs> worked out good. So, <laughs> Well, that's good, Tim. At least you made it there fine. You made it back. You, you, you embarrassed yourself um, in, in, in front of uh, uh, Kyle's family and friends and um, uh, his, his wife now's uh, family and friends. Everybody knows how bad of a dancer I am. Yes. <laughs> oh, Kyle, please send that to me. Please, if you're listening to this, please send it to me. I, yeah, I'm not going to mention anything to him about that. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to email the show, Tim. <laughs> I'm going to email, um, yeah, the show. I'm going to I'm going to tweet at the show just so oh. that he'll see it and you know be like, oh, okay. Time to change our Twitter handle, our email address, our <laughs> website, everything. So, <laughs> so you won't know where to send it. <laughs> but that's good, Tim. Happy to hear that. You know you. Drove down, had a nice, nice drive. Had some good food, uh, Mediterranean Thai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nice change of pace. Though I rarely travel yeah. <laughs> to do anything, so is, yeah, I made uh, sweet. Is is Mediterranean food like seafood? Um, no, not really. Yeah, there was some pasta to it too, so it was maybe a little bit oh, really? Italian. Yeah, but that's what I was up to that weekend. But Dane, yeah, the one thing I've been dying to talk to you about was. Yeah. As everyone who listened to our last episode knew how it ended <laughs> in grand fashion with the introducing you to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of their shadows concert tour and how yeah. blown away. <laughs> but then I come to find it sparked a TMNT, you know, revolution with you with watching movies, the TV shows and you're becoming a TMNT fan. And I yeah. could not be happier. So it's, I'm dying to hear how it all started and it's unbelievable. where you're at with it. It's unbelievable, Tim, because um, that Saturday uh, we had rented uh, the post, the the Steven Spielberg, uh, Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep movie, right? Yeah. So, like, I was thinking, yeah, you know what? After I do the podcast, we can go and watch the the post, right? But then you mentioned... uh, um, Secret of the Ooze, right? <laughs> and I was like, 
you know what? I'll, I'll just rent uh, Secret of the Ooze. So I rented it on um, on YouTube, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna watch that later. And we watched the post, and I'm like, the 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 whole time the the post is a good movie. It's a good movie, but the whole time I was thinking about the Secret of the Ooze <laughs> and uh, Vanilla Ice and uh, the Ninja Turtles dancing, right? <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so as soon as the post ended, uh, I went on YouTube and I, I watched it. And it was amazingly bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was so awful that I, I had to, I had to, Tim, watch the third one. So I watched Ooh. that one. Th- that one is terrible. Yeah. Um, it, See, it, I still, I can enjoy Secret of the Ooze, even though I know there's a lot of cheesy moments and stuff. But the yeah. third one, that. Uh, I rarely even watch that one. My favorite part of the Secret of the Ooze is when they, I mean, it, in this day and age with all of these superhero movies and you know all of these superhero movies that are being introduced to mass audiences, all these you know superheroes, um, you know how they do the 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 cool entrance that started with you know Batman Begins, where there's that warehouse fight. Uh-huh. And you barely see Batman, and it's, it looks cool. It's lit cool. It's shot cool, right? Mm-hmm. I like how they just walk in from the street. It's like they walk <laughs> in from the street and they go down like a stairs to a strip yeah. mall. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> they do their jump entrance and the freezes the frame. Yeah, the title yeah. Logo. yeah. <laughs> you can clearly tell there's a trampoline underneath the, <laughs> underneath the camera frame there. <laughs> It's so. It, I mean, it's it's so awesomely bad that you you just have to watch it. I initially thought that Vanilla Ice was supposed to have a bigger role, but he just well, he, he just in there. <laughs> he, he's just in there and he sings his song or raps his song or whatever, does his dance moves, and then he's quickly out because apparently he does concerts next to what looks like a scrapyard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, apparently there's a there's a nightclub next to a scrapyard in New York City. Uh, not New York. Not New York City, New York, right? It's New York, Siri- New York City Paramount Lot, right? Because <laughs> <Pretty laughs> they do nothing to make it seem like it's New York besides have taxi cabs, right? <laughs> <laughs> and another thing I noticed about all three movies, because I watched all three movies that day, is that they all they all have the same New York City establishing shot in all three of them. Hmm, interesting. Just from like like just from like slightly different angles. Like we're in the same parking lot overlooking the Hudson Bay, but we're moving the camera that way fifteen feet. <laughs> so it's the same shot over and over and over again in all three of those early Turtles movies. Um, also the first one, I think that's the only one I haven't mentioned yet. The first one, the funniest scene I've ever seen in cinema in, in every single movie that I've ever seen. Wow. I'm dying to find out what this is, (laughs) is splinter as a rat, not, not as a humanoid rat, as a rat (laughs) doing karate. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, is the most hilarious thing. It's like, did they think that looked cool? 
<laughs> I mean, I well, don't... for the time, I think they pulled it off as well as they could. But yeah. here's the thing on the on that. See, that's how it really was in the original comics for the turtles. Out, they they nailed the origin story. They followed it just how it was. But it's not my favorite version of Splinter. I always like it where he was the human first. Like he is actually his master, Hamato Yoshi. And then he gets mutated and transformed into a rat, but he was originally human. I think that makes for a more compelling character and makes more sense than a rat being able to mimic his master's karate moves and then pass it down. I mean, you kind of roll with it, but it is one of the more far-fetched things of the TMNT lore that I'm glad they changed in other versions where Splinter was once a human. <laughs> but yeah, but as far as capturing how it was in the comic, they actually did a pretty good job of that in the movie. Yeah, that that was fantastic. Um, <laughs> you can tell that's a puppet that i mean specifically that splinter puppet um because they don't show him from the waist down i don't think and yeah, no, there's maybe just a handful of shots where there is yeah where you can see his legs mm-hmm. yeah but he's usually sitting on something and you can tell yeah the puppeteers behind him um, it's the same guy who does El- the elmo puppet used splinter. to tim that, oh that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about that um Going back to that first movie, I do think um, they did a good job with uh, uh, Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop. Did a really good job with the, yeah, awesome. the animatronics or whatever. Um, th- they did a really good job. Um, second movie, I it's passable. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. You see, I think I don't think they made it for home video because. It's not a movie to pause because if you pause it any time a turtle is talking, it 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 doesn't look good because like their eyes are all like half shut and their <laughs> mouth is in a weird position. Um, and there's one shot in the first movie if you pause it and the, yeah, I think it was Donatello with his mouth open, you can actually see the guy inside the costume. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, surprisingly, um. All three movies, and I was genuinely surprised about this. Um, not a lot of product placement. It it really shocked me. I thought there was going to be a, a lot more, like you know, the the big pizza companies were going to get yeah. involved with you know, like Domino's or Pizza Hut or, I mean, th- there wasn't a Papa John's back then, but <laughs> yeah, just that Domino's Pizza Man in the very beginning. Yeah, that's pretty uh, much the only big one. Little Caesars. I mean, there, there's no Little Caesars. Uh-huh. Um, it's funny they went to Pizza Hut for the first movie. Asked they want to, you know, do a promotional tie-in with it, but they didn't want to. They didn't think it was going to be really? lucrative for Pizza Hut. But then after they saw how big a hit it was, they were all they came back. Hey, so what are you doing for the sequel and all that stuff? <laughs> they wanted to get involved. Yeah, but it's a pizza box in the background, which yeah. <laughs> uh, really surprised me. I, I mean, I thought they would, you know, you you would see the box slide across the table and then the turtles would be like, Oh, what is this? Oh, the new pizza hut, uh, extra cheese pizza (laughs) available now at all pizza hut locations is here. It's good. And it tastes good. You know, I thought it was going to be something like that. So, so surprisingly not a lot of, uh, product placement. Um, one product placement that did surprise me, Tim, and I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, Burger King. Burger King, for some reason, bought product placement. Was it, was in, it in the, the third first one? one? In the first the one. The first one? Yeah, yeah. When, um, oh wait, was it the first? Uh, which one was it? They're kind of in a warehouse. 
Yeah, yeah, it's the first one when uh, Splinter gets captured and, you know, okay. there's that underground arcade thing, yeah. skate ramp, and they're doing something. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's there. He's like a Burger King cup or burger wrappers or something? No, it's a whole meal. Like, it's a whole meal sitting on, like, a table uh. that, that, <laughs> that they, like, begin the shot with, which is really weird. Uh, I don't think I've ever noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the third movie... Um, yeah, that movie is just bad. It's awful. <laughs> um, and the co- like you said, the costumes and the puppeteering got progressively worse with each movie. And it hit a low at the third one. <laughs> oh yeah, especially the third one. Like, I think it's the eyes in in the costume. It's just yeah, like, and it just looks cheaper too. Yeah, and it looks like they they got the same material that they used to make the toys to make the, <laughs> the animatronics, you know, uh, well, um, did not really, me. did not really care about the time travel to back to ancient Japan. Uh, didn't really care about that. Um, don't know why Casey Jones, uh, was, was in ancient <laughs> Japan. Uh, didn't no, really make he, sense. Did he go back? I remember, didn't he stay to like, hang out with yeah, those Japanese but, soldiers who got transported to New York and he was like showing them around yeah, the town the, and all that stuff. The, the, the actor I'm talking about, uh, Elias Codius. Uh, yeah, he was, I, I can't remember the connection. Um, I wasn't really paying attention to that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the actor is there and I, and I think there's some kind of co- connection. Um, yeah, like I said, didn't care about the time travel story at all. In fact, didn't really care about the story at all in any of the movies. I, I just find them funny. They're they're awesomely bad, like I said. Um, mm, I ought to disagree with you on the first one regard, in regards to that. <laughs> I mean, they have a karate rat, Tim. <laughs> not not a humanoid karate rat. A karate yeah, rat. <laughs> I know, like I said, it's the one little thing that's a little too far-fetched, but everything else in there... I mean, it made for a solid, very solid TMNT movie and with its story. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> also, I wanted to ask you, uh, well, two questions, really. Um, how come they got two different actresses for uh, April, and how come they didn't uh, go with the the Jim Henson Creature Studio, Creature Shop in the third movie? Yeah, well, in regards to April... I think they, I don't know if they did like a focus test or something, but they like did something where like the kids, like kids who saw it really didn't connect with the April in the first movie. So they wanted to recast with a different actress. So it was kind of a strange right. reason like that. But, and then for the Jim Henson puppets, I'm not sure if it was like a budget reason, but then I remember too that Jim Henson kind of wasn't happy with the amount of violence that was in the first one. So I don't know if that played into where they didn't, like the yeah. company didn't want to work on the sequel as well but i think it had to do with budget as well <laughs> and just not having you know wanting to spend that money on how good the puppets were in the first one and the animatronics and stuff so i think it might have been a mixture too oh i see well they definitely got worse in that <laughs> <third movie. laughs> well i'm just glad you saw them and then it yeah you know it didn't stop there though <laughs> i mean you went down the turtle hole oh further. yeah <laughs> um so i i ended up renting the 2014 um, mm-hmm. Turtles movie and then Out of the Shadows. Um, the first Turtle movie, the, the 2014 one, is 
actually probably the best one i'd say out of all that was surprising to hear you say that actually yeah yeah i mean the turtles don't look good um i don't think they look good i know they're just plainly ripping off the dark knight (laughs) i mean really not even trying to hide it but they're it's like they're ripping them off um I really like the, the 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 beginning with the comic pages and the the Fruit Ninja uh, <laughs> game. Um, that that was pretty cool. Um, uh, April O'Neil, um, Megan Fox. You see, I I think Megan Fox is one of those actresses that didn't get a fair shake. Um, I think she's a decent actress. Uh, it's just that she's put in these roles where. She has to be, you know, the 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 love interest or you know the sexy woman, you know, sort of thing, and it's especially you know apparent in the second movie where you know she has to you know get all sexy to con yeah. the delivery <laughs> guy, you know. Um, but it's like, a typical Michael Bay movie tropes that yeah he and, has. you know she has to have the tight shirt and the short shorts and you know it's it's not I, I i don't think she got a fair shake and i think she's a decent actress um it's just she doesn't really have anything to do even though the movie's kind of centered around that that first movie is kind of centered around her yeah mm-hmm. um and that's part of the problem too where you center a Ninja Turtles movie around April O'Neil and you don't really give her anything to do and and you don't introduce the turtles until you know like 35 minutes I think yeah it takes, the a, first little, movie. takes a little bit to actually see I mean you get like hints of them like they're in the shadows and you hear the voices and stuff but yeah. to actually see them it takes a good like 20 to a half hour yeah yeah right um, and I just don't think she got a fair shake in these movies or the Transformers movies or you know, whatever, whatever else she's done. So, um, I'm going to give her a pass on this one. Um, but as for the movie itself, uh, I really liked it. I, I mean, if you forget about the story, it's, it's a good action movie. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what Michael Bay does really well, right? You just forget about the story and then you get a great action movie and you forget about the actor's performances and, you know, you have a, a good, action movie with a lot of action scenes and you know that's essentially what that movie is and i i think they got the the attitude or the um the personalities of the uh, of the turtles right in that movie yeah Um, they definitely did i don't think they got it so right Uh, at least they didn't show it that much in the in the second movie um again it they they try to bog it down with story and it just doesn't work. You know that, that that's my problem with the second movie. It's a it, it it's all right. I mean, there's there's a lot to be you know happy about, but like they just try to bog it down with story with Krang and you know um, what he's trying to do, and they bring Shredder back for some reason. Yeah, he was severely um, underused in that movie. <laughs> uh, and gets frozen and put in, you know, the toy box. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, uh, and and the voice of Krang, like, uh, I expected, like, something higher pitched, but it's a guy with a low voice trying to do a high-pitched voice, yeah. and it doesn't the, work. I, 
I, I forget the actor's name. Is the guy from Brad? Um, Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, yeah. He does Lobo's voice and Justice League and Superman. Yeah, what's his name? Brad. Uh, I forget, but um, yeah. Again, they try to bog it down with story, and they don't really do a good job with that. And what suffers is you know the the the, the banter between the Ninja Turtles, right? And again, they they. They try. They they just tried to add too much story into what should have just been an action movie, right? Um, uh, Casey Jones in that movie, Stephen Amell. I I don't know what happened. I I mean, it's it's like they 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 don't use him. He might as well not even be in that movie, and it's like his performance isn't very good. It's I I, I I've seen him on Arrow, and he's he's great on Arrow. It's it's just. Um, yeah, like the he's just not a he. He just wasn't good in that movie. See, it was definitely a different take on Casey Jones than like what's in the comics, the previous movies, and all that. But I actually enjoyed this. It was different, but I still enjoyed his take on it. I thought he fit in it fairly well enough for me, anyway. But it was just different. It was a different type of Casey I had to get used yeah. to. I thought he worked well with the turtles and all that in April, but yeah, I, I kind of know what you mean though. Where it's you know, it's nothing phenomenal, but yeah. To me, I enjoyed it. Yeah, what doesn't make any sense is he's a prison guard and he wants to become a New York Police Department detective. Something like that. Yeah. So, so like, he how's wants he to move gonna, up in law enforcement? So, so, so how is he going to make that jump? I mean, that's two different departments, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's not that's not one. <laughs> How are you going to get promoted to that? Well, once he captures Rock City and Bebop, that's the ticket he needs. <laughs> to I'm get glad you brought that up, Tim, because I feel that Rock City and Bebop were the what what made that movie good. I'd say because the, it seems like they're carrying the movie. I, it sounds really weird because these are two characters that should be background characters or lackeys or whatever. But to 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 me. They're the ones carrying the entire story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to say, though, for this longtime Turtle fans and anyone who grew up with the original 1987 series, it was a big deal seeing them in live action for the first time. Because oh, I remember as kids, we're all waiting for, like, in Secret of the Ooze or Turtles 3. Like, when are they going to bring Roxanne and Bebop in there? Because like, after Shredder and Krang, they're the next big villains that the Turtles always face in the cartoon and this everyone knows about. So the fact that we finally got them in a movie, uh, it was God, not going to lie, it was pretty cool to see. I mean, they really captured, if anything, in the second movie, the feel of the 1987 series with the Turtles and with fighting Rocksteady and Bebop. Like, they really captured how it was and kind of like the ridiculousness of those two characters and them going against the Turtles. So I think they yeah. did a really good job with those two. And they actually look better than the Turtles, I'd say. Um, their design. Well, well, certain shots of Rocksteady were kind of hit and miss for me because I actually think and regardless of what you feel about their designs, I think the CG on the turtles in both of the movies were really good. Actually, where I mean, for me anyway, they're they was you yeah. they look pretty much seamless with the uh, human actors. I mean, of course you know it's CG, but it's not so off-putting that you know. Oh yeah, so, no. Well, I'm I'm talking about the actual look of uh, the 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 design of the turtles. Gotcha. I'm not talking about the uh, the technology behind okay. it, where you can see the the actors' faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I thought that was really good. It's just the kind of the design of, I mean, especially yeah. uh, Raphael. Like, yeah, I, mean, I know, I just, know what you mean there. Mm. They yeah. should have just kept it simple, just how you know 
the turtles always looked in you know their comics and the earlier movies and animated series it's the simple yeah. turtle looks with the different colored bandanas <laughs> yeah and i i have to say i i keep on going back and forth with it um because they tried it in in the the two michael bay movies where um it, it it's unlike batman where you either like and love the 1966 batman where he's just a campy joke machine right essentially yeah <laughs> or you like this dark deeper batman uh that we see today right whereas the turtles like i'm not sure what i prefer more because i love the nickelodeon show it's oh, it's, so it, good. <laughs> it's so it's it's made for just jokes it's it's not made seriously well um, they do see, have, i don't yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know how far you're on, but yeah. with the series, but what I love about it so much, and is one of my favorite incarnations with Turtles, is that it's the perfect balance of being silly with jokes, but also having you know some yeah. dramatic storytelling and characterization. It's just the perfect balance of all that stuff. Yeah, I was about to say they they do add some darker elements to that show, but it's uh you know it's fair and it's even. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's fart jokes one second and then yeah. you're dealing with this serious thing you know so um, let me ask you how, how far are you on the nickelodeon series uh i just finished uh, I'm, I'm right at season two did you start season two or you're just, no no not uh, yet okay so did you finish season one then yeah okay man wasn't that a great finale <laughs> that showdown with splinter and shredder <laughs> yeah um I, I i was thinking krang okay krang is gonna be the guy right Mm-hmm. But it, it it's they they just switch it up. Yeah, and I'll just say there's more because the one of my favorite things about this show is the dynamic between and the rivalry between Splinter and Shredder, yeah, and how Karai fixed into that <laughs> mix of it. Just great storytelling there. It only gets better as the series goes along too. Okay, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Because like I mean, back to my original point, uh, I'm I'm not sure which one I prefer. Do do I prefer the the darker turtles that you know are in the Michael Bay movies or the light or even the original ones? comics because those are the darkest turtle versions of the turtles ever. Really, like those original nineteen eighty four Mirage comics adaptions. Yeah. Well, what what what, what happens? In those? No, like they have no pro- problems with like killing oh, <laughs> really? the first soldiers. They don't joke as much. It is very serious and completing their missions. Oh wow. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not sure which ones I prefer because it, it, it's like two separate universes. Yeah, when it comes to it, because uh, I mean, I, I, I guess a, a fair balance like the the Nickelodeon show. Um, you know, I, I guess I would have to go with that. Which is, man, I'm so glad that I wa- I decided to watch the Nickelodeon show because it's so it's it's perfect. It's better than. All, all five of the movies, I'd yep. say. Uh, out of everything you decided to check out in Ninja Turtles, that is the one I'm most glad you decided to watch because, like I said, that is one of the best. And the fact that you're enjoying it as much yeah. as I did, it's just great to hear. So, But but I, I, I'd have to say the, the linchpin for me was the IDW comic. Oh, boy. It's... <laughs> It's written so well. It's it's mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. I mean, it's like 
I mean, the Ninja Turtles are mainstream now. They're a mainstream comic. They're not a indie indie comic anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But they write it like an indie comic, and it's drawn like an indie comic, and it's it's. I mean, <laughs> I know you have more experience with it, Tim, but like for me, that's perfect. It's near perfect. It, it the, really the is. IDW comic. I'm I'm in uh, I'm on the sixth volume of um, the IDW comic. And, oh man, already the sixth volume. Yeah, <laughs> Not the sixth yeah. issue, sixth volume, right? Yeah, sixth <laughs> volume. Um, it's it's uh, Krang went back to his war, and okay. um, the the people come back. I can't remember their name. Uh, the neutrinos. Yeah, the fairies. Yeah. Um, they they come back to or the elves. <laughs> neutrinos <laughs> they, is their name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they 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 get their guy back, the doctor. Mm, the That's fugitive. where I'm at. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, the comic. Wait till you is, get to. Uh, yeah. I don't think you got there yet. The city fall story arc. That is some great stuff. <laughs> yeah. How, how how far away am I? It should be pretty close. I think that's like the next big arc after they get back from the neutrinos and oh, okay. Frank battle. I'm pretty sure there might be like a few filler issues mixed in there, but I think that's like the next big arc of City Fall. Yeah. But um, yeah, you nail it. I mean, the between the Nick series and the IDW comics, I always have a hard time picking which one is my favorite version of the Turtles because they're just. I think I might give the slight edge to IDW because it is a little, obviously, a little more serious take on them, not being you know designed as like a, a children or young or young kids still like the nick one is even though they does some dark themes on there but this one's more catered to you know the older turtle fan and they just do a great job of just encompassing almost everything that i love about the turtles in that comic it's just fantastic and glad you decided to check it out i, I remember telling you earlier like a few years ago how great it was and you weren't on the turtle bandwagon just yet <laughs> i don't remember that tim i i, I tried to think back <laughs> when you could have told me that, but I, yeah, I don't remember. But um, better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're experiencing these awesome stories. <laughs> yeah, the the comic, like we were saying before, it, it balances that jokiness with with Michelangelo, um, and it, it's really really dark. It's mm-hmm. super super dark. That which really surprised me. Um, you know, I, I, mean, I, I haven't seen the, the, the Michael Bay movies yet. I, I just finished um, the, the, yeah, I went two, three, and one. So Secret of the Ooze, the third movie, and then the first uh, Ninja Turtles movie. And I'm thinking it's going to be joking. It's going to be, you know, about pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's like, it's super, for, for one thing, it's super serious. And it's super dark, but with that being said, it's also joking. You know, it's it's that perfect balance. It's so, so has the fun of the turtles yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, the fun of the turtles. It's so well written. Um, it, 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 I mean, especially nowadays, because if you've listened to this podcast for any extended period of time, I haven't really been reading the comics, and one of the big reasons I'd say is. I'm not really digging the the. No offense, Jordan. <laughs> no offense, but I'm not really. I, I don't really care about the Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle getting married thing, because I know it's not going to be permanent. I know it's not 
it's not going to have any long-lasting effect on the Batman universe. Um, so it's kind of like, what's the point? And reading, I mean, it w- with that mindset, it, it, it's a perfect introduction into the, I mean, it, it was the perfect timing to read this IDW uh, Ninja Turtles comic because it's it takes itself so seriously in a good way. I mean, that you can take yourself really seriously in a bad way, but uh, thankfully it's in a good way. Um, it's super dark. I did like like I said, I didn't expect that. Um, it's it's lighthearted in some places, um, and they they cover some serious topics. Um, yep. You know, uh, domestic well, he's abuse. Like Casey Jones in the yeah, first like, issue, yeah. <laughs> it, child abuse, uh, you know, like all these sorts of things, like, and it's, it's, it, it's perfect. I mean, to me, it's like the perfect comic right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's drawn really well. It's oh, some it's, of those early issues are so beautiful. Yeah. It, it, it's not, you know, your super realistic Jim Lee style, which the turtles really shouldn't be. It's sort of like a, a more artsy, indie sort of style which i like um but yeah like i i I can't stop singing the praises of of the idw comic because they 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 totally nailed it the creative teams uh the artists the writers um everybody it's it's if you if you haven't read it definitely go out and read it because it's it's perfect yeah it's pretty close to perfect it might just be the Again, that's what I said. I go back and forth between the Nick Turtles and this one about my favorite versions, but this one is as close as you can get for a perfect adapter. They take risks with the mythology, but it makes it it makes it work still. They do things different, but keeping you know honoring the legacy of the turtles and what fans love about it, but doing new things and exploring new ideas with the franchise, and sometimes improving on old ideas that were established and just making it better. That's what's been so great to me about the IDW series is just the things they've improved upon and where yeah. you don't want to think about as, you know, old school tour fans. And then when you read it, it's like, Oh man, this makes such perfect sense <laughs> to go this way with the story or these characters. I mean, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much for anyone who might want to check it out, but just how it starts where not all of the turtles start out together. I mean, the very first issues is, you know, some of the turtles with splinter and I won't say who one of them separated and, I think that's such a brilliant way to start it off and to have that bond with the turtles, the four of them grow in a new way where they didn't all start out together and how they got separated was pretty interesting. And this, how they all come together later on is just some great, great storytelling. So yeah, I echo everything Dane just said there where it's a must read. Even if you're not the biggest turtle fan, it's just great storytelling and great artwork in these comics and, I jumped on around 2012 because I had my turtle renaissance back in 2012 when the Nick series premiered because <laughs> I, I was an old school turtle fan. I always liked the franchise, but I would never consider myself a hardcore turtles fan like I do now. And like I always been for Batman and Star Wars. But once that Nick series turtle started, I go, oh, it's a new turtle series. I'm going to check it out. I just really enjoyed it. And that, you know, kicked off, you know, getting the comics and you know, rewatching the movies, reading the older comics, just, you know, everything you're going through right now, Dane, I went through back in 2012 and my turtle renaissance and it's here to stay now. So yeah, hopefully it will be the same for you. (laughs) I mean, just imagine to me, you you watch the three first movies, right? Um, And then you 
see out of their shells. <laughs> oh, that, that's just... the best part of all this day. This all started because of out of the shells concert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that ridiculous concert did anything, it got a new turtle fan out of you yeah. because of me bringing it up <laughs> the last episode. <laughs> yeah, but you, you see those first three movies and then you see out of their shells and they're playing instruments and they're singing their songs and or in Shredder, <laughs> Shredder is rapping for some reason. Um, and then you read the IDW comic and everything that goes on there and then you read about Spencer's family and what happened to them and it's like oh my mm-hmm. god yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is super dark um, but yeah it's, it, it came at the perfect time where it's like I'm not really digging the Batman comics right now because I don't really like I'm not really entertained I should say uh, by the, the storyline um, and just reading this and how well written it is it's it, it, it couldn't have come at, at a at a more perfect time to. that's awesome so yeah. once you get caught up on the idw comics i mean you know the next thing you gotta read is the batman turtles issues because those are really good as well yeah <laughs> i'm, I'm not actually- sure i'm sure they are because like the, the the way idw started off and and this is how they started their storyline off you know like, I'm sure it progressed to greater things. And, I mean, I'm, I'm only, like I said, I'm only on the sixth volume. But I like how they don't really fully explain how, you know, Splinter and all the turtles became a rat and turtles, right? Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they explain it later, but for at least for right now, they they, they only half explain it. Yeah, they don't really go into it that much later on in any issues. I mean, you get some other stuff with um, Splinter's wife later de- yeah. on down the line, but nothing that goes more into you know their origin and how they got turned into the turtles. Oh, so nothing like this is what happened. Yeah, definitely. No, exactly. Yeah. Just what kind of what you got and read already. Oh, okay. But yeah, oh man, Tim. The, the 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 IDW comic is really the the, the what made me so hyped on yeah. <laughs> the Ninja Turtles. Oh man, well I could not be happier, Dane. I mean, obviously you've heard many times how much I love the turtles on this podcast. So yeah. the fact that you can join me now in the turtle fandom is awesome. Yeah, I I just wish I read it from the beginning. I mean, it's 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 great to you know binge read it. Mm-hmm. Like I've no, doing, I know what you mean. But I wish I was there from the beginning. I was a year late on it, too, because I think they started in 2011. I started in 2012. I actually got my first iPad because of the comics. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was was the part where I go, man, I'm getting a lot of, you know, DC Marvel books now. I'm filling up room. If I'm going to get the Turtles, I'm probably going to go more digital, (laughs) the digital route for them. That's still how I'm getting them. (laughs) That's cool. So weddings and turtles is what we've been up to since our last episode. <laughs> well, also too, what we were talking about, uh, I guess, staying on the ninja aspect of things, the Cobra Kai series. You said you've watched oh, the first yeah. episode. Have you watched any more of it? Yeah, I finished it. Okay, you did. Yeah, I should say I watched all ten episodes in one city. <laughs> like, Five wow. hours. Yeah, just about. <laughs> so it was actually the day I got back from the trip to arizona so after the six hour drive 
five or six hours of Cobra Kai. <laughs> wow. It, I, I actually don't know how I stayed up to watch all of them, but that's how much I was entertained and enjoyed it. So. Yeah, I was about to say, I'll tell you how, Tim, because it's actually really well written. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the, the characterizations, but you did have a problem with it, Tim, and I'm, I'm wondering what it is one, because it could yeah. be several things. Um, and I think we should put out the spoiler alert. Yeah. Right. For Cobra Kai. Um, so I have a couple of guesses. Okay. Is Go it um, the old guy coming back uh, at the end? No, that is not it. I actually thought that was okay. a pretty cool tease, <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> okay, is it the fact that um, Johnny's sort of karate lessons have made the, his students into these bullies? Uh, that is, yeah, it kind of goes into that. Not all of them, but one in particular. Okay. Is it Daniel sort of trying to block Cobra Kai from entering into the competition? No, that that made for a good conflict between Daniel and Johnny too. Because I got I got why he would want to do that. I yeah. think it made sense, and it made for some good more conflict between those two. So it wasn't that. Okay. Okay. So so what was it? So it was more toward the second one. Okay. The main, I guess one of the main characters, the main students of Miguel Diaz, the first kid that Johnny takes to the train. And he starts off as, you know, the good kid who's you know, getting bullied, but, he, but he's going to go to Johnny to, for karate lessons. Got a little similar to the Karate Kid original story. But the thing I don't like is at the very end, the last episode where, you know, they're in the tournament and, you know, he's taking – more into like the Cobra Kai philosophy of fighting dirty and without honor. And I didn't like how his character progressed to go to that extreme because especially when Johnny as his sensei was telling him, you know, that's not, you know, that's not honorable to do that. He was kind of, even Johnny was going back on the full extreme of Cobra Kai and their teachings from the original Karate Kid movies. So, and just the fact that we see that was, he was a good kid, Diaz, you know, he was doing things the right way, but then, the whole thing when he starts thinking Daniel's daughter was, you know, seeing uh, Johnny's son, he was getting jealous, he was drinking and all that. And just turning him more into the bully, which well, the reason I have a problem with that is we already got the bully character in the series, which uh, Diaz, you know, took out. <laughs> that yeah. kid who kept tormenting him and, you know, pretty much kicked off the whole series in the beginning when they had that fight. So we dealt with the bully character and the fact that Diaz kind of he didn't totally become him, but the fact that he's kind of going down more of that path and not fighting honorable, honorably in the last tournament is the thing I had a problem with. I think it's, it would have been better if he, you know, he was, you know, taking to the Cobra Kai philosophy, but at the same time, not going to that extreme that Johnny was teaching to still fight honorably. I think it would have made for a more compelling fight and not in the final battle with him and Johnny's son where, you know, he didn't play dirty. He just won, you know. Yeah. Based on his skill and not going back to the original Karate Kid where Johnny did the same thing to Daniel and you know, he still won. But I did like how uh, Diaz and Cobra Kai did win the actual tournament. I think it would have been too much of a rehash if oh, they lost again and the Daniel student won. It would have been too much. Okay, yeah, they're trying to follow too much in the footsteps of the original. So I'm glad they did it where Miguel Diaz did win and Cobra Kai got the trophy. It's just I think. They're, we're pushing them in this characterization direction. I, I don't think they needed to go, especially when we got already had the bully character in it. So that was my one main issue with it. Okay. But overall, they Can just I, did a great job of continuing the story. Yeah. 
can I say something or, or try to give you an example? No, yes. Try to, you know, make me accept it better or why it works. (laughs) Okay, well, this probably isn't going to change your mind, Tim, but I think why they did that was to show that what sort of Luke's whole idea was in The Last Jedi, where he refused to train Rey. Okay. And why did he refuse to train Rey? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, why did he refuse to train? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like, a rhetorical question. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, obviously he didn't want to see another, you know, first of all, another Kylo Ren come to power and just the Jedi way in yeah. general coming back. He wanted it to die. Right. So this is what uh, Cobra Kai is what happens when Luke trains Rey. That's that's how I kind of see mm-hmm. it. Where, yeah, he starts... Uh, uh, Miguel starts off as, you know, this kind of nerd guy. He doesn't know how to fight. You know, he, he's good-hearted. But he he gets this training from this guy who is a bully, who, you know, has that bully mindset, and then he turns into a bully. Right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, even if Johnny sort of doesn't or, or realizes that he... Mm. his mistakes or realizes that he you know he taught them the wrong thing mm. i think it's you know it's too late already that's a good point yeah you know not realizing the mistakes of his way of teaching even though he is trying to rein it in a little bit from how he was taught the philosophy is still there yeah and the kids have taken to him well, that's a good point i mean there's still a time like for season two for Miguel not to fully go on like down the bully road and become an unlikable character because that's the thing I don't want him to become an unlikable character when he was at the start yeah of the series so mostly but you know what I thought was weird though you, you go on one date with a girl one three hour date or whatever uh-huh. and then she's your girlfriend you're calling her yeah. your girlfriend sometimes you just hit it off really well I guess, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you just know there's nobody else for you. <laughs> no, but the series in general is just a nice surprise of how really well done it was. And like, it's like getting, you know, Ralph Macchio back as Daniel and then the actor played Johnny. Just a great continuation, like better than anything any of the other sequels of the Karate Kid, uh, like the next Karate Kid and the reboot with Jackie Chan and Will Smith. <laughs> so this was definitely the next the best progression to deal with the franchise and i'm glad it turned out as well as it did did you see uh will smith is uh executive producer yeah i was surprised right. to see it like yeah well, like i know i was surprised to see it but then when i realized well i guess i know why because he obviously probably was a, had a producing credit i would imagine on the last one with, with his son and jackie chan yeah yeah did you see that one no i never saw it oh, didn't hear it was yeah. me neither I, I, I tried to watch the uh, Hillary Swank one. <laughs> I haven't heard good things about that one either. Yeah, it's not very good. Uh, Pat Morita's in it, though. Yeah, I guess he'd be the only reason to <laughs> yeah. want to check it out, but I still have it. So, yeah, so that's what we've been up to these last two weeks. So check out the Nickelodeon Ninja Turtle series, <laughs> the Ninja Turtles comics, and Cobra Kai on YouTube Red if you haven't. All great stuff to, you know, if you need stuff to keep you busy during the summer, those would be, I guess, our three highest recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, um, 
I was wondering what your ranking of the, the uh, of the Ninja Turtles movies were. Um, you 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 said the the first one is the best, but like, yeah. what, what are the other ones? Mine is um, the first 2014 uh, Turtles movie, Out of the Shadows, and then two one three. So Secret of the Ooze, the first movie, and then of course the third movie. For me, obviously, well, the first one from 1990. Yeah. Then I'm actually going to go with Secret of the Ooze, and it might mainly be for nostalgia factor because I just have great memories. Vanilla Ice, Tim. It's not the Vanilla Ice. It's not Ice, um, Go Turtles Go or whatever that song is called. <laughs> the Turtle Rap. <laughs> Ninja Rap. Actually. Ninja Rap. They, they dance in all three movies. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. Tim. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. They do the little dance in the first one too, but with the tequila song. <laughs> <laughs> and they come out dance. Uh, your introduction to the Ninja Turtles in the third one is they're dancing. Yep. So it's all great. Yeah. So those two, then I'd probably go with. I'll go with the 2007 movie. I don't think you've seen that one yet, right? No. The animated no. one. That no. one's really good. The overall story and the plot's not the best, but there's great character stuff, especially between Leonardo and Raphael that I really enjoy. So I'd put that as my third. Is that a go. CGI one or is that a yeah. straight up? Oh, okay. Yeah, CG animation. All right. So that'll be my third. Then i go with the 2014, then Out of the Shadows, and then Turtles 3 at the very bottom. <laughs> oh, really? Like way below you, Out of the Shadows. <laughs> you, you didn't like um, Out of the Shadows? No, I enjoyed it. Just I, it still was. I'm wasn't the turtle movie I was you know, hoping it would be because for some of the yeah. reasons you said, they try to cram a little too much story in there. There was I, the stuff with the turtles and like I said, the Rocksteady and Bebop was great, but then you know Shredder was really you know shoehorned in and not used well at yeah. all, especially like you mentioned. And then yeah, so stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff to try to cram in there. It all didn't work, but there was definitely some st- good stuff in there though. What they do do right in the first three movies and out of the shadow, I mean, not out of the shadows, um, uh, 2014 uh, Ninja Turtles movie is they're just in New York. You know, yeah. it's like they're trying to just save the neighborhood. Um, they're not, well, I, I mean, I guess the third uh, Ninja Turtles movie is they're in ancient Japan, but they're not saving the universe. Which is what I think um, Out of the Shadows did wrong. Because yeah. they, they should just be in New York City. The, I mean, they're, they're synonymous with New York City already. Um, but at the same time, there are stories where the turtles do get big like that and they go to outer space and they deal with aliens. So uh, there are stories to tell with that, but I don't. Out of the Shadows wasn't the best way to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was right. how they incorporated Krang in there. Even though yeah. it was cool to see Krang, uh, they did a good job with how he looked. But <laughs> I didn't like the robot. The robot, yeah, wasn't quite. I mean, I think they changed it actually from some of the early trailers. Where he looked more how he did in the animated series, but then yeah. they kind of changed the design in the final movie. It didn't look awful to me, but didn't quite look as good as I think it did before. I like the Krang in um, the animated series. Yeah, a lot talk. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially how they Krang. talk. Krang yeah. is the one who is our turtles who yeah. look like turtles. Who <laughs> <laughs> look like turtles who have our our <laughs> our blasters, the Krang yeah. blaster. <laughs> <laughs> 
And oh. then you'll see, oh, you already saw it, Krang Prime, voiced by Roseanne <laughs> in the oh, season yeah. finale, that big one. <laughs> yeah, you'll learn more about the Krang 2 later on, or they'll go into more like their history too in the animated series, I think like season three or four. So. Yeah, I didn't know um, uh, Nolan North, who did The Penguin. Yep. <laughs> voice the the Krang in that show. And Nolan North does the voice of Raphael in the 2007 CG animated movie. Really? Yep. So he definitely has his hands in a lot of Turtles <laughs> <laughs> versions. So. Well, at least I know what I'm doing after we're done with this. Tim. Yep. <laughs> TMNT. That's just, it's just called TMNT. <laughs> yeah. I think it might still be on Netflix, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, at least a few months ago it was. So, you know, Netflix kind of reshuffles things, but it was yeah. on there not too long ago. Here, let me check. Oh, yeah. I mean, you continue doing the show, Tim. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, man, we're an hour, almost an hour into the episode and recapping everything that has gone on the last two weeks before before we recorded this new episode. So, time to get into some Batman news. But before we do, we got to get into our Dark Knight Rides minute by minute commentary. We can't let an episode go by without adding another minute <laughs> to our long trek of doing an audio commentary for the dark Knight rises. So for this episode, we are on minute one Oh four. Yep. One Oh four through one Oh five. So let's see if I remember all the media formats <laughs> since it's been a while yeah. since I had to say them all. So grab your VHS, your laser disc, your Betamax tape, your DVD player, your projector, your blockbuster video certificate membership card, <laughs> your Netflix physical media. And I think this is last, but definitely not least, unless I'm forgetting anything, your VHS to DVD converter for your PCs. <laughs> <laughs> you did forget one, Tim. Okay, which one was it? My favorite, Tim. HD DVD. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Blu-ray too because oh, yeah, 4K, Blu-ray. we got 4K now, so. Yeah. <laughs> little rusty but <laughs> so if you got all those queued up at the 104 or the hour and 44 minute mark i will start the countdown and hit play so three two one play as bruce wayne has this real awkward face <laughs> as we unpause it as the pain of his back is as he tries to get it back in shape prison surgery yeah <laughs> And now we're at the moment where Rachel Ghoul appears. And I remember being spoiled on this before seeing the movie. Were you, Dane? What, that um, Liam Neeson was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was spoiled on it. Also spoiled on the fact that they got a young Rach, too. That's right, yeah. We were talking about that on the last one. But I'm still... I think I found out about the young Rach before we knew Liam Neeson would be back. But I was curious, how is he gonna come back in what capacity i got excited like oh cool he did survive the lazarus pit exists and i think we'll see a little bit before a minute so as he starts yeah fading away I'm like oh no i think they're gonna make it a dream <laughs> <laughs> actually works out better that way that he's you know he's gone and this is just a hallucination yeah but definitely for the story it would have been too much to you know oh we got race to deal with too and he's back and yeah. all that but yeah, from the you know comic book fan inside of me who wants Rage to be immortal in the Lazarus Pit. Little yeah, well, I mean, plus two, you you don't want to stack your villains like um, Spider Man three or the second Amazing Spider Man yeah. where you have like <laughs> eight different villains running around. <laughs> that is true. So, 
All right, so that's another minute of The Dark Knight Rises in the books. And now we can go into some, you know, news topics that have happened since our last episode. We got quite a few, and a lot of them have to do with... Uh, oh, Tim, before TV, we get into TV. that... Yeah, before we get into that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, um, did you see the Venom trailer? I, I, yes, I'm I did. I'm not so positive on it. it, it yeah. And I think they're relying heavily... And I think the movie is going to rely heavily on Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. All it's all going to be Tom Hardy, and he's doing that crazy thing too, you know. So yeah. <laughs> maybe and Tom Hardy is a good actor. I mean, we've seen him in Dark Knight Rises, seen him in Inception, all of his other roles. So I'm not so positive on the look of Venom. Uh, I, I, it's so bumpy. Like, why is it bumpy? <laughs> Shouldn't it be clean, like like a flat surface, like Marvel versus Capcom? <laughs> yeah, see, I think the look of Venom is right now the best thing going for it <laughs> in his really? face anyway. Uh-huh. I thought they did a good job of capturing how he looks in the comics a little more, definitely better than what they did in Spider-Man 3, but I'm just not the, I'm not feeling the movie overall. I mean, the fact that it has nothing to do with Spider-Man or tied into Spider-Man is a big negative in my opinion because that's a big part of what makes venom and eddie brock such a fascinating character their hatred and history with spider-man and what makes them go as venom and the fact that that's not going to have anything to do with it it's just yeah it's hard for me to accept right now so i'm still going to check it out and hopefully i'll be proven wrong that it's an enjoyable story and venom's cool but right now it's not not hope what i was hoping a venom movie would be so yeah not feeling it right now as well <laughs> yeah. you see i'm still holding out a little bit of hope tim um on the fact that tom hardy is a really good actor exactly yeah i mean yeah. i think it's a great casting choice for eddie brock mm-hmm. man you know i saw this movie with um tom hardy it's literally just tom hardy in a car right really? it's, it's <laughs> what's called, it called it's called lock l-o-c-k-e it's okay a, it, it's about a guy named lock and he's driving, um, he's a construction um, contractor, I think. Um, he's driving from one place in England to another place in England. And throughout the course of the movie, he's on the phone the whole time. Oh. <laughs> um, and he's, he, leaves his fa- he leaves his family. He abandons his family. Um, he is going to run off with his mistress, who's pregnant. Um, and he's trying to get a construction deal job. Oh, he gets fired from his job and he, he's trying to still get the job done, you know? So it's, it's really good, you know, character performance. And if he, like I said, he's a great actor. And I think this move, this Venom movie is gonna have to depend on him because it doesn't look very good. I don't like the look of Venom. Um, I don't know how if it's like this in the comics where he talks. Eddie Brock talks to the symbiote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been do that? yeah. Huh? Oh, okay. Um, I I am happy with that. I think that sounds cool. And like how they're referring to themselves as we. I mean, that's yeah. a big trademark of that. So at least they're getting that right. <laughs> Who's doing the voice of the symbiote? I think it's actually Tom Hardy. Oh, I really? I remember reading that. Yeah, he's doing both. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's definitely gonna have to rely on Tom Hardy a lot. <laughs> Mm, yeah so it's not the highest like 
out of all the superhero movies coming out this year, that one's not high on my most anticipated list. But I'm still going to yeah. check it out. And hopefully, it's better than expected because I love Venom as a character. <laughs> He's um, my favorite Spider-Man villain. Yeah, but Venom is just one of those characters that you have to. Re- I mean, it's 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 kind of like Spawn, right? It's 98 percent look how it looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. so you're right. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be. <laughs> It's going to have to be a Tom Hardy Oscar nominated performance to, <laughs> to, uh, to be kind of good. But well, I don't know um, if that's going to happen. <laughs> um, one could hope. Speaking of movies, Tim, I don't know if you've seen it. Did you see the Batman Ninja? I haven't seen it yet. No. Okay. I've um, heard, have you seen it? Yes, I, I, I okay. watched it. Yeah. Uh, so without spoilers. Um, the story isn't very good. Okay. Yeah. I was curious to see, because I've heard mixed things on it. Some say it's phenomenal, amazing. Others say, man, this is a little too weird, and I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Um, I see, see, I'm trying to think and not spoil it for you, Tim. This is really hard. <laughs> you um, can go into some details. To be honest, this is one of those movies I'm not overly concerned about spoilers, since it's, you know, yeah. an Elseworld <laughs> type movie. Okay. Like, it's... Yeah. crazy in concept enough so uh, uh, a great thing to say about this movie is that it looks very good that, that anime did. style matches batman perfectly uh particularly the joker i i, okay. I love he was the, the one joker. i was a little concerned about it how he looked visually but he looked good visually it looked good the voice wasn't very good mm. it's really really high-pitched Okay. Yeah, really, really high pitch. Um, to the point where it's like I'm gonna have to fast forward through this. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Harley was great. Um, they. You see, that's a spoiler. I can't say that. <laughs> um, let's just say the story kind of just goes on and on and on, and you're just waiting for a fight scene. Okay. Because the fight scenes are amazing. They're, I would hope for that at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're they they turn things up to eleven. Let's say, <laughs> um, it, it it's so it's crazy. So many things are going on. The Batman Joker fight at the end. That's not a spoiler to him. I don't think. <laughs> um, you mean the Batman and Joker have a confrontation? Thanks a lot, The Batman and Joker confrontation with the with the katanas is, was really cool. Um. But my favorite part, and I don't think we'll ever see this in any single live action or animated movie, is the fact that uh, for some reason the 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 whole time machine thing it also brought back the Batmobile, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, to ancient Japan, so it brought back the the Batmobile. So Batman's driving the Batmobile. Joker is doing his thing, right? Uh, the Batmobile gets destroyed, right? Okay. So it turns into a motorcycle. We've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it also turns into the Batwing. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think we've ever seen that before. <laughs> oh no, no. Excuse me. I got the order wrong. It turns in. It turns from the Batmobile to the Batwing to the motorcycle. And Tim, do you know what comes next? You'll never guess it. Uh, is it like a robotic horse or something? <laughs> it's a third. You're close, Japan. Tim. You're close. <laughs> It's robotic. Oh, wait, a dragon? Yeah, a dra- <laughs> It's robotic armor. It's the bat suit, the, the, the bat oh, mech suit. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, 
I, that that's my favorite moment from how uh, how movie. big was Batman in that suit though? Like was Pretty it like, big. really was yeah. it like the Iron Man Hulkbuster suit that it, he used it, to fight Hulk? Yeah, it reminded me exactly of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my favorite part of the movie. Um, as for the story, it's not really there. It's just one of those things you just got to get through. Um, uh, specifically with this movie, because the action scenes are so big, they're so out there, um, that when it comes to the story, is I mean, a lot of these anima- animated movies have that problem where it's just a big action scene and they're doing the talking thing and it's not really there, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really bad in this movie. And that's <laughs> that's my criticism of this movie. It's just, it's kind of, the plot is going on and on and on. And uh, one part of the plot doesn't really make sense to me. So, yeah, that, that that's my only complaint about it. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd probably give this, out of five, I'd probably give this a, uh, a two. Mm, a okay. two out of five. Yeah, that's kind of on one of the ends of the spectrum I've been hearing about the movie. So it seems like watching for the animation and the action, but just kind of don't be expecting some engaging story, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, just don't expect to be, just don't expect it to be, um, the IDW Ninja Turtles comic. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I definitely won't, but yeah, I yeah. still definitely want to check it out. Cause I, like I said, heard so many different things on, I wanted to see where I fall <laughs> under it, but uh, and, hopefully, hopefully I'll have it. I'll watch it by the next time we record our next episode. And I'm so surprised that I've seen an, a DC animated movie before you, Tim. I know <laughs> that is a rarity. <laughs> yeah. I know this shows how much was going on the last few weeks. <laughs> But with that, I guess we can get into, like I mentioned, some of our news stories that have happened since our last episode. And the first one I'm going to bring up is one I'm really disappointed about. And that is right now, the most of the Rebirth books, at least the ones that I get, are still at the $2.99 price point. But some have gone up to $3.99. Well, pretty soon they're all going to be $3.99. And I think it's going to start in July, according to this article at Newsarama. And yeah, that was very disappointing because I, you know, so much for drawing the line at two ninety nine. I guess that <laughs> that <laughs> catchphrase is done again. <laughs> well, Tim, it was. You see, they can switch things up, and they can be like, "Oh, actually, that was just a three year promotion, right?" <laughs> yeah. Um, see, the thing that gets me on it is that yeah. they're still doing the twice monthly books for like Batman, Detective, Action, Superman, and. I'm, I mean, I'm already planning to drop some books now because of it, because I'm not going to be able – it adds up. It really does. <laughs> but it might just be a dollar more when you're getting books twice a month. I mean, there's going to be some that I'm going to have to stop getting. Like right now, I stopped with Wonder Woman. I just finished the last arc on that, and it didn't end great, so I figured it would be a right time to jump off. Flash, I'm going to have to jump off as well. And then, I mean, we're going to see how – it's going to be back to one of those things where – Got to see how the story arcs go. I mean, with Batman and Detective, I mean, yeah, I hate to drop any of those two main Batman books. I'll, I'll definitely probably keep Detective up till we get to 1,000 because I want to have all the <laughs> issues leading up to that. But if it starts really dipping, I might have to drop one of those books because, like I said, the 3.99 at twice monthly, it's you know, it adds up. So 
it was definitely disappointing to hear. I was hoping it'd be okay, three ninety nine, but we're gonna go back to like the once a month to make it easier to stick with the stories that we're telling. But no, so far, at least they change it. It's still gonna be you know the twice monthly. So we'll have to see. But you know, definitely disappointing to hear that they're going to that because that was such a big, you know, selling point I think for getting into Rebirth and the twice monthly books. And this is actually kind of one of the first like big I think anyway missteps that DC has done with their comics since Reese first because they were just on a roll of just you know not only good stories but good marketing decisions to go along with it and I think they're not going to be coming with digital codes either because that was another thing when certain books went up to three ninety nine they came with the digital code to help you know balance out the extra price range but I don't think that's going to be the case with all the books so it's kind of one of their first miss- missteps in a while which is disappointing but yeah you know, those those are the breaks I guess. <laughs> Yeah, for me, like I said before, sorry, Jordan, I'm not really dating the Batman getting married thing. So, yeah, I'm not going to be getting my books. Especially if they jump up in price. Right? Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not to $4, dollars, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it, it, I don't think it's a good move. Um Especially, especially like if if you're like a person like me that you know was not really into this wedding storyline, it's it's gonna make it even worse. So yeah, (laughs) and even if you know you come up to me and be like, oh, you know, you you have to get this issue. This is the wedding issue, or this is the best Flash issue. It's gonna. It might be a no. <laughs> I mean, it, it <laughs> might be, a, be really good. Huh? Like, yeah. IDW Ninja Turtles good. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it'll have to be that good because, um, yeah, that's kind of expensive for a comic book, you know? Especially when you get as many as I do than the DC front and the Batman book. So, so, if, so you, if you start how, noticing like, not, yeah. not reviewing a Batman or a detective title, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> in the future but i'm gonna stick with it for now (laughs) so on a regular trip to your comic book store tim how much do Mm. you spend i try to my budget is to try to spend like 20 to 25 each visit each week but sometimes when there's like special issues out and all that stuff it can get a little more yeah but so it's usually i guess on an average about 20 about 25 each each week so oh wow Oh yeah, so yeah. you're definitely dropping some books then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, though I don't want to, but gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. But moving on for some disappointing news, and one thing I'm really excited for later this year is the Death of Superman animated movie. We got our first trailer for it. I mean we got our little sneak peek with the Suicide Squad held to pay bonus feature, but this is our first actual trailer and the I just can't wait for it. And I know I said before how I wasn't sure about it being set in the animated movie universe continuity, but I kind of moved past it now. I've kind of accepted for what it is, and it just looks like a lot of fun. I mean, the death of Superman, an iconic story, but seeing this incarnation of the Justice League fighting Doomsday, it's just looking really, really cool. So can't wait for that. And this is our first time. Another thing I was curious about is hearing uh, Rain Wilson's voice as Lex Luthor, and we got our first taste of it in this trailer. And I don't know Right now, it doesn't quite fit the Lex that I think the design they're going for here. Maybe once I see the whole movie, it'll feel better. But 
it still feels like I'm hearing Dwight's voice as Lex Luthor. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I did think it was an interesting choice and was excited to hear how he does. But, you know, wasn't quite, I guess, what I was hoping for when I heard he was cast. But we'll see when I hear, the whole, hear his performance in the whole movie. And also, see, we got the release date, which is going to be, comes out digitally, of course, before the Blu-ray, which is July 24th. And then the Blu-ray is August 7th. So... The week of August 7th, I'll be picking it up. It won't be a Batman Ninja scenario. I haven't seen it yet. I'll be getting the Death of Superman on day one when it hits Blu-ray. So I'm excited for that. And then some other news kind of on the TV front. Um, We just found out Gotham actually just wrapped up its fourth season this past Thursday. And it was revealed that it's coming back for a season five, but it's going to be its final season. Gotham is ending next year. And it's only going to have 13 episodes next season. I think they said it's also going to be like a mid-season run. So not in the fall of 2018. It's probably not till 2019, I would guess. Wow. So, so, thir- so they're really trying to get rid of it then. It seems like. I I'm, mean, 13 episodes is not going to be in its normal place in the year. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they've said to you know, these last episodes are going to focus on, you know, Bruce making his way toward the Cape and Cal and getting that. Final shot, I'm sure, is going to be him in the bat suit. And I guess since we're on the subject of Gotham, I'll just talk about those past seasons since it just ended. Uh-oh. I mean, you know, everyone has something to say about Gotham. That's <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Love it or hate it. But I would think more most fans I see are on the hated side of things. But I will say I actually genuinely enjoyed this season. I mean, you just got to know what you're getting into with this show. Like I've said before, you know they're going to do things crazy and different. And a lot of the times it doesn't work. But sometimes it makes for entertaining TV watching with these different takes on these characters. But this season was actually enjoyable, especially the first half, I think, when they were, uh, Gordon was dealing so with Sophia Falcone or Falcone. I'm watching, hearing the name Falcone too much on Gotham, like forgetting to pronounce it the right way, which is Falcone. <laughs> but that's, that stuff was good. And then how it ended... Uh, you know, they're doing typical Gotham things where they're trying to incorporate his like classic Batman moments, but yet it, they shouldn't be doing it just yet because <laughs> they did the whole thing with uh, their take on the Joker with that character, Jerome and spoilers, by the way, for the last few episodes of Gotham, including the finale, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but everybody but, knew that was Joker when he first came on scene. But, but they did a thing where he wasn't the Joker. Yeah, but he was the Joker the whole time. <laughs> Come but on, let's uh... he, it was the better take on the Joker than what we got at the later episodes. Cause what happened was he had his plan, you know, to make Gotham, you know, you know, a madhouse and everyone yeah. turn it into chaos. But he was really looking for his twin brother who was like the good version of him. And what happened was Jerome, he got, he got killed. He died off. Gordon shot him. But bef- before, you know, he died, he sent his twin brother, Jeremiah, a package and once he opened it it was filled with the joker toxin that was another thing they established this year the joker toxin was created which turns you know everyone crazy in the smiles and grins on their face and so that gas he did a you know concentrated version of it and once his brother jeremiah opened the package and inhaled the gas he turned into what's going to be i guess their version of the joker his skin started turning more pale not the full white makeup look but you could tell that's what they were going for it didn't have the full green hair his lips were red going for that clown look but they didn't go all the way because i think the actor who plays him said they're not allowed to even call him the joker or have him the green hair or all that nonsense stuff that i still can't believe he's, he's concerned about <laughs> i mean come on just let, if you're gonna have him in there just go full on 
call him the Joker and all that. Don't try to, you know, do it halfway, but same old stuff. So he becomes a Joker and he gets obsessed with Bruce, who, you know, wanted to be because him and Bruce were working on this, this energy project together. But once he turned crazy, they actually he made him into bombs. And then, you know, he really considers Bruce his friend and they're trying to establish, you know, yeah, they were friends, but then they're going to end up being the greatest enemies. But Joker is going to view Bruce still as his friend in his own crazy way. So they're trying to set up their relationship there. So the season finale episode, uh, it turns out Jeremiah slash Joker teamed up with Rachel Ghoul to bring about this prophecy that Rachel Ghoul has on Gotham's destruction, which is going to bring about the Dark Knight in his air, which he, of course, views Bruce as. They didn't do a good job with Rachel Ghoul, I'll say that. <laughs> he wasn't one of the entertaining aspects of the season, except when he came back as a zombie. That was <laughs> the only good version of him this season. You see, so that's they were- the only guy that makes sense uh, being in Gotham at that Rage. time. Yeah, Rache. Yeah, uh-huh. because he would be immortal. operating in some way. Yeah, yeah, he's immortal. Yeah. Um, Alfred should be there because he's old. Uh, well, Alfred is one of the best characters on the show. <laughs> so. Yeah. so yeah, him and Rache work together to bring about the destruction of Gotham because you know Jeremiah wants to you know bring out you know what he considers the best part of Bruce as his friend <laughs> in his own weird way, and Rache wants that air, and they pretty much do a no man's land thing. They destroy the bridges. Of Gotham almost right out of Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> How they destroy it. And they were evacuating evacuating most of the city. So Gotham's just left with, you know, the criminals and a few cops like Gordon, Bullock, and Bruce who who stayed to protect the city. So they're gonna they're definitely gonna do a no man's land thing because they're already setting up, you know, the different turf that the different gangs have and all that, and setting the stages for, you know, the inevitable gang war that's gonna erupt. But how it ended was I know what they were going for to try to have an iconic moment, but it's still one of those things that's too soon. You should have saved it for your last episode. Gordon shines, you know, they're trying to make like the bat signal, but there's no symbol on the floodlight on the Gotham PD. So it's just a bright light that's shining in the sky. Yeah. Just to show criminals, you know, the police are still here. You can't hide out there. Then Bruce shows up on the rooftop and we technically have our first Gordon batman rooftop scene except you know he's not batman <laughs> talking about you know we're gonna protect the city we're gonna round up all these criminals and all that and i was just thinking yeah i know what you're trying to go here for but this would have been the perfect way to end the series next season when you already said you're gonna have bruce the last episodes are gonna be him becoming batman this is how you should have ended this series on with him in the costume talking to gordon on the rooftop for a first time but they'll probably may end up still doing that but it's going to lose kind of the effectiveness I think it would have had if they didn't do it here yet. So Yeah, you know what, too, Tim? I I don't think they thought they were going to get a fifth season. So let's They just... kind of left it. Well, it would have been a weird way to have the series end on a, not technically a cliffhanger, but an open-ended way where, you know, Gotham is run by criminals and, you know, oh, we don't know what's okay. going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Okay, never mind then. I, I I thought that's how it ended with, with the, you know, Bruce and... Um, Gordon on the rooftop. Yeah. So like they'll probably do that again for the season five or series finale, but Bruce would just be in the Batman costume and Gordon will probably have a mustache and glasses. <laughs> I wonder if they're gonna do a time jump. Probably. Have, I mean they would have to, right? Because you would think, but the way they do things now, I just think they're gonna put the young kid in the Batman suit. Knowing yeah. <laughs> Gotham does think that's probably what they're gonna do. <laughs> and I think I've asked you this about Gotham before, but did they do the thing that you didn't want them to do where it's 
uh, Bruce helping Gordon out with the solving the murder or whatever, solving the crime. Not too much. I mean, yeah, that was something I said way early back when the series yeah. first announced. Bruce got into his own like situations and stuff <laughs> and problems that he had to deal with where Gordon would kind of have to help him out. And they would kind of cross paths and help each other with certain threats, but nothing too much where Bruce was like his sidekick in helping him solve crimes and mysteries and all that stuff. They never really went down that route. And is it, is uh, Gordon still like a security guard or something? No, he's oh. like captain of the police force again. Oh, okay. So I would imagine he'd be commissioner by the time the series ends. I mean, it's only natural for them to do that, <laughs> you would think. And I think <laughs> it, they've officially it's... gotten every main villain in there because one of the villains they teased at the end of this season was Man Bat coming in. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, he didn't look that great either. <laughs> Do they? But, uh, <laughs> it didn't look that good. Do, I will say do though, they have um, um, uh, Clock King. Oh no, they don't have Clock King. Uh, Clock King or the Ventriloquist Scarface. I guess those are some two they haven't touched yet. But series uh, isn't over yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, Calendar Man. Do they have Calendar Man? I don't think so. Okay. If anything, he might have been a small character. I don't think they did though. Okay, so just all the main villains, huh? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> But I will say, I saw the best-looking live-action Scarecrow ever in the season finale. Really? Even I'll say even looked better than the Batman Begins Scarecrow. Wow. Because <laughs> he had a great mask, but they gave him the hat, too. And we haven't seen that yet in the Scarecrow in live-action. It looked really cool. It was like the comic and animated series Scarecrow brought to life. And it looked really good. So, if anything, it, it was worth watching just for seeing the Scarecrow look that great <laughs> in live-action. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Scarecrow and um, uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight, uh, you know who did that? Who, you, do, do you know who made that um, Scarecrow mask? Nah. Uh, the Jim Henson Creature Shop. Oh, really? Yeah. I, sh- I should have guessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I, I was just like wondering, like, okay, so is the is the Creature Shop different from, you know, the 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 the, the group that makes the set? The Sesame Street animatronics and yeah, I'm sure they got different departments. I mean, it only makes sense. They got to be a big yeah. production company. So yeah, yeah. But, but that'll explain why it looks so good, though. <laughs> so yeah, that's my recap on Gotham season four, and I'll do the same for season five once it airs and it all wraps up. But yeah, yeah, I think it's about time to end that show. It's probably you for know, the best. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you're running out of main villains. I mean, you've yeah. run out of main villains already. <laughs> That's um, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Especially the ones that aren't supposed to be there at that time. You know, <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. you, uh, you kind of run out of villains. So it's, it's, it's probably time to end that show because you don't want to be bringing in, you know, Egghead. Yeah, King Tut. King Tut. <laughs> you know, um, was. Um, Gorilla Grodd ever in that? Or am I thinking of The Flash? No, you're thinking of The Flash. He was in The Flash. Yeah, Yeah, he was in The Flash. Okay. Because Gorilla Grodd is in Batman Ninja. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I think I I remember seeing him in some of the trailers. That's kind of an interesting choice. uh, (laughs) Well, just because Gotham is ending doesn't mean Batman on TV is going to be ending. Because we just announced that, you know, from some of the producers of Gotham, we're going to be getting an a show about a young Alfred called Pennyworth. And this is, I don't think they have a set uh, date yet for a year when this is going to come out. It might be not until like the end of 2019, 
but um, it's going to be it's called Pennyworth and it's going to be obviously based on the early life of Alfred and it's going to be you know with him as a you know, special forces officer living in London and says he's going to be working with Thomas Wayne so um, I'm on two different minds of this announcement first off I think it's also I should say too it's going to be airing on Epics, which I'm not sure what that channel is. <laughs> I got to find that out if I want to check it out. I think it's I a never spinoff of, of yeah. I think it's a spinoff of um, uh, not Star uh, Cinemax. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't even know if I if it's like a premium channel. I have to yeah yeah it's order a it is. channel. Yeah, it's oh, like okay. a HBO or a Stars or a Showtime. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> why, why I want to watch that? I have to pay extra for it. But um, yeah, so first off, I think the concept of a series of stories based on a younger Alfred, I think it's cool. I mean, we just come off that Scott Snyder All Star Batman arc, the first ally, which dealt with Alfred's younger days, and it was really good. And I've always liked that aspect of Alfred and you know what his past was like as a special forces agent. But and, you know, so seeing that and then him coming to know Thomas Wayne, I think could be cool as long as they don't, you know, foreshadow too much about, you know, Bruce and Batman and all that type of stuff. Just don't try to be too cute with certain things and do a lot of foreshadowing. If they kind of stay away from that, but establish how it becomes close to Thomas and the Wayne family, I think that could be really cool. But here's my thing. It's just, I don't know, it's getting a little tiring of different, I guess, Warner Brothers, DC, whoever you want to point to just cherry picking certain aspects of Batman and making, and even other like with Superman, cause we got the Krypton show and then the Lois and Lex Luthor show that's in development, just picking different aspects of the big characters and making those TV shows and not doing anything with their main characters like Batman or Superman. Cause it's getting starting to get a little tiring to be honest, where they're doing all these little things with their main characters, but not with the main characters. And they got to go out of their way to not, reference him or use like batman or superman and all that stuff i just wish they would like, kind of go full on out with their characters and their worlds to have one big cohesive story with their main characters and their great supporting characters so it's getting a little frustrating on that front where they're just i don't know getting a little too i don't want to use the word greedy might be too strong but just trying to i guess oversaturate and milk the batman and superman franchise with their characters supporting characters and not the characters themselves it's just i don't know it's getting a little tiring where they keep having these projects without the main characters so concept i think could be cool but let's just not go too crazy beyond this with other batman related series that don't have to, nothing to do with batman uh for me um oh first i should say um i was wrong epics is like its own separate thing okay yeah but, uh, but is it still a premium channel though yeah yeah it's like an all okay. card thing yeah <laughs> Um, it's going, it, it, it's going to be a hard no for me. Yeah. It's like you said, you can't just cherry pick what you want. It should just be a Batman show. Um, and I think if, if I were to watch this show, it's, it's going to be the same thing as Gotham and mm. you know, you're just going to be looking for that main like okay so so when are they gonna introduce the main villain like how fast are they gonna pump in the joker for some reason man yeah, the like, joker they shouldn't. really gotta stay away from that in this series they really yeah but you know they're not i mean you know they're not i mean you know it's gonna be uh the, the the joker was a secret you know guy in world war ii for some reason <laughs> like it's gonna be something like that and it's gonna be 
the same thing as Gotham, like what Gotham is doing, and yeah, it's gonna be a hard no for me. It's this should just be a Batman show. Um, th- this, <sighs> and you know, I'm, I'm gonna hate to say, uh, I hate to say, I hate to compare it, but I, I don't know if you've ever seen Battlestar Galactica, Tim. No, I haven't. It, it's a really good show, and it's, it went on for five seasons, and it's. It's just like I said, it's a really great show. Um, but then they decided to do Caprica, uh, this prequel show, right? Mm-hmm. What happened before Battlestar Galactica? It, did, it, it didn't even last one season. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> so I think this is kind of in that boat. Um, again, it doesn't really interest me. Like the young Alfred Pennyworth doesn't really interest me. Uh, young Bruce Wayne kind of interested me. But yeah, it, it 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 just wouldn't have that same thing if if they said this is going to be the Batman show, you know? Yeah, um, it's almost come to that point where they just have to. <laughs> that's kind of what. What else could they do? Like that's what we'd want when we're fans of Batman first and foremost. That's what kind of gets me frustrated. Warner Bros. and DC how they operate things and yeah. what's going on in the movie universe. We just can't have one definitive version out there that are comp encompasses everything we love about Batman side characters and history and all that. We just got to have all these different series yeah. that don't connect and you got to have some will have this thing that you like, but it can't, can't have this thing that you like about it. So it's just, I just wish there was just one main thing out there in live action. I should say, whether it's a movie or TV show that encompasses everything we love about Batman. And it's also the fact that as a comic reader, um, I've read this before, you know, I've mm-hmm. read all of this, before i know about I, I i know where alfred came from i know where bruce came from um i don't need to see it again um it it, it kind of it, it's i don't know it's it, like i said it's gonna be a hard no for me <laughs> unless you watch it and it's like Dane, this is like the IDW comic. You better read. <laughs> yeah. you, you better watch it now. You know. Yeah, right now is the plans. I want to check it out, but you know that's another thing. The superhero TV genre is becoming way, way overcrowded. It's like I haven't watched the Krypton show, and it looked pretty good, but just yeah. I haven't had a chance to yet. I'm still watching the other shows that I, you know, watched for <laughs> for several seasons now. So. <laughs> You really have to pick and choose on this front now on TV shows to watch based on comic books as well. So, is the Adam show still on? Um, uh, you back from leg- tomorrow or something? Legends of Tomorrow. Legends yeah. of Tomorrow is that still it's on? still it's still on, but I didn't finish the whole season. I kind of jumped off like midway. Yeah, it was one of those things where there, I couldn't keep up with it for time. And out of all the CW superhero shows, that was the one that kept my interest the least this season. So I fell off on it. Same thing with. Uh, um, not Batgirl, uh, Supergirl. Like I mm-hmm. fell off that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still up to date for the most part. On, I'm like two episodes behind on it. The season has been pretty good, actually, I will say. What about but, uh, Arrow? Arrow was up and down this season. It ended good, but the first half was, wasn't that great to me. It was retreading a lot of stories ideas, but yeah. once they got in a new villain for the second half, that's where it picked up. And the season finale was really good. And where they left things, I'm kind of excited. A little more excited than normal than I thought I would be for season seven, where things left off. So, Whichever season the, the Deadshot season was. 
Deathshot or Deathstroke? Deathstroke, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Se- season two. <laughs> that was the best season. Yes, yeah, so that still is. Season five, though, was really good, too. That was, like, probably after season two. Season five was the next best one. Yeah. That was, like, a good return to form, but then it dipped a little again this year. <laughs> <laughs> but that leads us to our other big TV news, and I'm really curious what you think about this, Dane. Batwoman will be making her live-action debut on the CW shows and next year's crossover event because, you know, every like around every December, all the shows come together for, like, these two-part or four-part crossovers and... The next one, they're going to introduce Gotham into the Arrow universe and Batwoman. So I'll let you go first on this one, Dane. How do you feel just about seeing a live-action Batwoman finally be you know, brought to TV? Well, first off, I have to ask, how are those crossover events? Are they usually good or are they usually uh, it's not very good? Or- yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this last crossover. I think it got too big because there's a bunch of new shows, like I said, yeah. coming up with too many characters. But the first two, was it two or three now? Yeah, I think it's this, the, there's been three. So yeah, the first two were good. I, I enjoy those ones. With that being said, I th- there's a a version of Batwoman that I like, right? Mm-hmm. It's the J.H. Williams, Greg Rucka, Hayden Blackman, um, Batwoman. Um, and she's off doing her own thing, right? She She's not you know, constantly interacting with Arrow or with Green Arrow or Flash or Supergirl. She, she's off doing her own thing. Um, I think in the entire run, if I remember correctly, only Batman and Wonder Woman show up. A Wonder Woman more, you know, more so than, than Batman. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that, how, how this is going to work out. I mean, is this, has she been in the show before? No, right? No, I mean, they did little hints of Gotham and yeah. uh, Oliver name dropped Bruce Wayne for the first time this season. So yeah, I'm um, curious because here's the thing. Supergirl is in another Earth than Arrow and the Flash because obviously her Earth, Superman exists and Batman exists in hers, but they don't exist in the Arrow and Flash universe. So I'm wondering if they're going to go to Supergirl's Earth and that's where Batwoman and Batman are established. Or, or are they finally going to bring them into the Arrow and Flash universe where, you know, see, this is what I'm curious about. I wish I hope they don't go this route where they just ignore that Batman doesn't exist. And, you know, Kate Kane is the only Bat character in Gotham and there is no Batman because I'd be really disappointed if that's like this is yeah. the only Batman connection it has. I hope like batman been missing for several years or he's just been operating in the shadow so much no one knew that he existed just some way to show that batman has been here this whole time but now we're finally going to get i guess a little bit we're going to see more of his world now introducing batwoman in gotham so it's going to be interesting to see also i'm curious about mainly what world this is going to take place in supergirls or arrow and flashes because it'd be a big deal if it's arrow and flashes because they're going to establish a new big corner of the you know DC Universe by introducing the Bat family in there. See, so you've brought me to um, my next point, Tim, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, I I, I want to see Batman uh, or sorry Batwoman in live action, but I think this case in particular, um, and we've been talking about it before, it should just be Batman. You know, mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't be Batwoman or. Damien or 
mm-hmm. who whatever, right? It should yeah. just be Batman in this situation. Um, even though I would like to see, you know, the design of Batwoman's costume, uh, the actress they get to play Kate, you know. Yeah, I am. I got to say, I'm optimistic on how the costume will look. How the costume will look. I mean, they've had some misfires, but for the most part, I think they've done a pretty good job with their costume designs. With yeah. keeping it pretty faithful to how they are in the comics. So I'm hopeful they'll do the same with Batwoman because she has a great costume. You know what? It'd be I'm, a shame I, if I've, they do the, don't do it justice. Yeah. I've been negative on this show so much, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll say I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, uh, I've been this, too negative. <laughs> at least this will be something you can easily check out once it airs. I mean, yeah. Just, I mean, you don't have to pay extra or anything for it. It'll be on normal TV or on the CW app, which you can just stream easily. So, <laughs> You know, I've been listening to a lot of uh, sports podcasts. Mm. And if you love sports, let's say you like baseball. Let's which say you are, let's say you are a New York, New York Yankees fan. Which Let's I am. say <laughs> you love this team, right? Which I do. Don't ever listen to a New York Yankees podcast. Don't ever listen to a sports podcast, period. So it's just like any other fandom where they say they like or love something, but all they do is trash and dash it yeah. and all that type of stuff. Figures. You know, the, the, if, if, if this was a New York Yankees podcast, it would be don't ever like the New York Yankees. Don't. <laughs> Um, they, they should get rid of the entire team. They should I, go ahead. after they went on this amazing run too. Yeah, I'm sure those yeah. fans are complaining still. Look, the the it, it, if this were a New York Yankees podcast, it would be, and let's say they swept the ALDS, they swept the ALCS, they finished. You know, they they won the pennant with uh, with I don't know thirty games still left, right? <laughs> Uh, they swept the World Series, right? And our next podcast would be about how, yeah, they did that, but <laughs> it could have been this much better. Or <laughs> Sanchez, Sanchez, you know, instead of hitting three home runs, he hit one home run <laughs> in Game Four of the World Series. And Aaron Judge was hitless in the World Series when, even though Judge, he still won. <laughs> <laughs> Judge hit seven home runs when he should have hit nineteen home runs <laughs> in Game Four of the World Series, and they should get rid of him while you know his stock is still good. <laughs> <laughs> they should get rid of Aaron Boone. They should. <laughs> you know what? Baseball sucks. Let's <laughs> not play baseball anymore. You know, or, or or even if like let's say though, let's say we had a general baseball podcast, right? And let's say you know it's a great World Series. You know, the, it goes down to the seventh game. It goes down to the last out of the ninth inning of the seventh game of the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't fun enough. It wasn't entertaining enough. It, you know, wow. it, the the pitcher took too long to throw the ball. You know, <laughs> the, the the outfielder took too long to throw to throw the ball into the infield after he made the made the out in the you know in in, in the fifth inning. You know, so wow. <laughs> <laughs> you don't listen to sports podcasts if you love baseball or if you love sports. 
Yeah, I just stick with the sports radio show podcast. Or no, I don't even do that, Tim. I don't even do that. Well, the ones I, the one I watch is funny and entertaining, and it's done by the Yankees broadcaster Michael K. So he can't be oh, okay. too negative <laughs> on the Yankees. Oh, by the way, uh, bringing things around to Cobra Kai again. Did you see um, the bobblehead on um, Daniel's desk? Uh, it's not ringing a bell right now, or remembering what it is. I believe it was a Keith Hernandez probably. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I think he was a Mets fan growing yeah, up in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. They hinted at that in the first Karate Kid movie. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's going to do it for our news catch-up for this episode. A lot of TV stuff going on. So it's going to be a long that? show, Tim. Yeah. I mean, we still got our Jordan's email and a couple of comic reviews. So we'll move on to Jordan's email. And Jordan starts off his email, probably the best start to any email ever that he sent. Of course. (laughs) I just opened it. He says, hey, Tim and Dane and Alex, I finally listened to a 311, Tim. Two of them, actually. Well, actually, I've heard them before, but I didn't know that I had. I was rewatching one of my favorite movies this past week, 51st Dates with Adam Sandler and Batman Forever star Drew Barrymore. And I had the subtitles on. A song started playing, and the subtitle said that it was Amber by 311. I loved that song, or at least the portion that plays in the film. But I never realized it was by 311. When I found out, I did some research and learned that 311 also did one of the songs in the end credits, Love Song, which I love as well. That Apparently, is the, that's the most, uh, no offense, Tim, that, that, that's the most boring <laughs> cover ever. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, it's already, it already starts off as a slow song. Yeah, and then you add the reggae into it, and it's like, oh, it's, it's like slow, but man, was it a big hit for him though? <laughs> oh yeah, that that was a huge hit for. I yeah. mean, they still play it. Yeah, not as often as Amber because uh, Amber was a real big hit for them as well, and they do that every single show. They're like, I don't think I've been to a three eleven concert oh, where they no, haven't done I, Amber. I, I, I meant on the radio. Oh yeah, they, that too. <laughs> yeah, they, they still play it on the radio. That love song cover. Yeah, but yeah, Amber is that's like for like the hardcore 311 fans like myself who've been to a bunch of concerts. Yeah. Most of them, that's like their bathroom break song <laughs> when Amber comes on because we've oh, heard really? it so many times. <laughs> I don't go because I don't want to miss any of the concert. But a lot of 311 fans, that's I see on social media, even ones at the concert, that's like they get their beers, they go to the restroom during Amber because they play it all the time. What Amber? Yeah, every show is like yeah, they have to do it. Isn't that their big hit though? Yeah, I mean I understand why, but. Sometimes it might be, I, I think on their sake, just to uh, have one show where they don't play it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but that one show that they don't play it is going to be the one show that people complain about they didn't play ever. Well, I mean, you're right because there's always could be someone's first show. Like for, in Jordan's case, for instance, he loves Amber, and yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but Jordan, I don't think you've been to a 311 concert. And if you were to go to one and didn't hear Amber because you loved it, I imagine you'd be disappointed. So yeah, or love. That's song. why they do it. Yeah. <laughs> he just finishes this part by saying, apparently Nick Hexum from 311 even produced the entire soundtrack. Anyway, I thought that was really cool. Did you know about this? Yes, I did. I know Nick Hexum worked on this with, I think, Adam Sandler. And you know, Adam Sandler asked Nick to write a, or use a song. And then the theme of the album was 80 cover songs. I know like Alien Ant Farm did a cover of The Cures, uh, Friday I'm in Love, and there's other 80 covers. And, of course, 311 did love songs. So that was... You know, that was between, uh, I think that was between, yeah, the album I was going to say, that was like a project he did after Amber, but I believe 51st Dates was 
came out that soundtrack after their album Evolver, which was the album that came out after From Chaos, which Amber was on. So you because there were their two biggest hits in succession, though, I will say that Amber and then Love Songs were their two biggest hits. Probably. I, no, Don't Try On Me was a hit, too. But probably their biggest hits in succession, I will say, were Amber and Love Song. So, Speaking well, of which, you, um, uh, you know in 51st Dates, where, where uh, Adam Sandler works? Well, I've, I've never actually seen the movie, though. Um, <laughs> I just listened to the soundtrack. <laughs> well, I'm talking to Jordan. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's where my parents got married. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Well, maybe it, I should watch it now. It's a, it's a place called uh, Sea Life Park. Huh. Um, it's about like 10, 15 minutes away from my parents' house. Um, used to go there a lot because it was so close to my elementary school. Okay. Yeah. So like we would go go there on field trips uh, a lot. You know, there's like dolphins and mm-hmm. there's the Hawaiian sea turtles and sharks and I think like stingrays. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Get a wide range of you know ocean life in one yeah. place, I guess. Uh, monk seals, uh, even birds. I think. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh. oh well, I, I guess that was a cool surprise to when you saw the movie, or if you knew they were filming in Hawaii, you were you kind of expecting to see <laughs> that part in the movie? No, no, I just didn't expect him to work there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought it was a little out of the way, but I guess not. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> well, anyway, Jordan, glad you knew of two three eleven songs. And if you like those ones, I know the reason I love them, they have a great variety of music, so a lot of all their songs are going to be in that style. But <laughs> there's definitely other ones that are similar to that that you should check out. So if you want any more recommendations, just let me know. Does 311 still do the rap thing? The rock, um, rap, rap Yeah, rock? they still have a few songs like that. They yeah. It's becoming less and less with each album, but there's always like, two or three songs that still have it you know can't forget about the roots (laughs) and is and nick hexam Mm -hmm. is the uh lead singer yeah Mm -hmm. okay lead singer and guitarist but jordan continues saying i'm glad to hear you enjoyed suicide squad how to pay tim i totally agree about how cool the twist was spoilers too Um, i didn't see it coming at all although once it happened i felt like i should have I mean, the end of Justice League Flashpoint Paradox technically in, it is technically in the new 52 shared universe. There's even a post-credit tease where we see parademons leading into Justice League War. However, when C. Thomas Howe was announced to be repraising his role as Professor Zoom, it didn't even occur to me that uh, they could be trying or tying or trying Suicide Squad hell to pay into what happened to him in Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. Same boat, Jordan. Should have seen it coming, but <laughs> it didn't. But it still made for an awesome surprise. <laughs> Um, so it took me by surprise and it was so cool. A few characters that were surprising standouts to me in the movie were Steel Maxim, Copperhead, and Bronze Tiger. Steel Maxim was so funny. I was cracking up just about everything that came out of that guy's mouth. Copperhead brought a lot of humor too. He was uh, very understated, but when he hissed at people, it really made me laugh. Bronze Tiger was the heart of the film. He wasn't really a true villain. He was more of a Punisher type character and an anti-hero who kills. I like that he was the one to get to use the card at the end of the movie rather than Amanda Waller. Speaking of the card, I was very pleased with that. Like you, Tim, I was a little worried when we heard that Task Force X would be going after a mystical object in this movie. Like, did they not learn that their lesson to keep it more grounded after what happened in the live action film? However, unlike the swirling ring of trash in the sky in that movie, in this film, it was just a little card that everyone was after. So I didn't mind it at all. 
I enjoyed a lot of the characters and smaller roles in the movie. While I wasn't very fond of the voice performance of Jane's uh, Urbaniac for Professor Pig, it wasn't creepy enough. I love seeing that character, since in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated Batman villains. The way Vandal Savage had Professor Pig implant the card in his body in a way where someone would have to kill him to remove it was brilliant. I also love seeing Punch and Julie, since I came to love them thanks to Tom King's I Am Suicide arc. I definitely agree that Alan Burlett left on a great note with this film being his final one. I have zero familiarity with Kathy Ann, so I can really, can't really comment on her specifically, but I am excited that there is now a director attached to this Harley Quinn slash Birds of Prey project. It's very unclear exactly what this film will wind up being, but I think there are a lot of interesting things they could do with it. Apparently, Warner Brothers executives were very impressed with uh, Christina Hodgson's script. That's why they hired her to write the Batgirl solo movie, too. So that is the one thing that has me excited. I've also heard that this movie will sort of do for Batgirl what Batman v Superman did for Wonder Woman, introducing her in a team-up before her solo movie. That would be cool. I'll reiterate that I think Chloe Grace Moretz would be an outstanding choice to play Batgirl. She's been in my fan cast for a long time now. Of course, Margot Robbie is just amazing as Harley, and I can't wait to see her in the role again. My question is really about what role Harley will have in this film. That's where things are unclear. There are so many films in development right now involving her. Gotham City Sirens, Suicide Squad 2, The Joker and Harley movie, and now this. What I think is most likely to happen is that Birds of Prey... Are are they really doing Suicide Squad 2? Apparently, it's still... Yeah, they still have a director. I think the guy who did the Ben Affleck movie, The Accountant, I think he's doing it. As far as I know, it's still on track. But again, they have so many of these projects (laughs) in development. We'll see what actually gets off the ground, but... I think Suicide Squad 2 will be one of them because how financially successful the first one was. But Jordan continues saying, um, what I think was most likely to happen is that Birds of Prey will have to reluctantly ally, ally themselves with Harley in the film to stop a greater threat, sort of like Batman and Nightwing had to do in their her, had to do with her and Batman and Harley Quinn, the animated movie. I've also heard a lot of speculation that this movie could wind up incorporating the Gotham City Sirens and being a Birds of Prey versus Gotham City Sirens story. That idea has me excited because it means we'll likely finally have Catwoman in the DCEU. I need in her in the, I need her in this universe ASAP. That scenario for Catwoman to be introduced does give me just a little bit of hesitation, though, as it makes me feel that she might be portrayed more as a villain than I'd prefer her to be. That being said, they could totally make it work brilliantly if Catwoman were to start off with the sirens and then wind up siding with the birds of prey by the end. That would be amazing. Unlike Yen, Steven Spielberg is, of course, a director I'm very familiar with. It's pretty awesome to have such a legendary director working on a DC film. Like you, Tim, my primary exposure to the Blackhawks is the Justice League three-parter, The Savage Time, and I really like them in that. The Blackhawk movie could be very unique because it wouldn't really be a superhero film. I do wonder, however, if perhaps Wonder Woman or the JSA could have cameos in it. I've also heard speculation that perhaps Samir could be a member of the Blackhawks. In addition... I wonder whether this movie will be set in the DCEU or whether it will be part of the Elseworlds banner. My hope is the former for two reasons. One, it would allow for Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman or uh, said Tagamoe's, again, I'm probably screwing his name up, (laughs) who played Samir to appear as I brought up. And two, I want them to continue expanding the DCEU, even if some films are only very loosely connected. I'm right there with you, Jordan. I think it'd be really cool to have it connected into the DCEU where, you know, we already established the World War One time period and let's establish the World War II time period in it. So I think it'd kind of be foolish not to, but we'll see. 
You, you know what this Steven Spielberg thing mm-hmm. movie, uh, the Black Hawks movie? You know, I'm just wondering if people will care about Black Hawks. Yeah, they probably won't try to advertise it too much as a superhero movie, I would think, yeah. or as like Steven Spielberg World War II movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure it'll be saying from the director of Saving Private Ryan <laughs> and all that stuff on the of the advertisement for it, even though you just should really just put Steven Spielberg's name on it and that's all you need, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have, so, like, it's connected with that. So with that said, it, it kind of seems like they might not be doing that, co- connecting it to the DCEU. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. If I mean, it wouldn't surprise the, me, but it's not what I'm hoping yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan continues saying, I watched your best animated Batman moments YouTube videos, Tim, and I really enjoy them. Great job. Well, thank you, Jordan. At the time you made those videos, your number one was definitely the same as mine, up until Batman Gotham by Gaslight came out. The final DCAU Batman vs. Joker confrontation was my number one favorite. Now it's number four, but it's still in my top five. Mark Hamill is always outstanding as a Joker, but I consider Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, and that scene in particular, to be his absolute best performance in the role. His monologue to Batman about being a little boy in a playsuit crying for mommy and daddy gives me chills every time. Of course, everything that happens with Tim, not you, Tim, Tim J, <laughs> is just heartbreaking and devastating, culminating in him crying in Batgirl's arms after killing the Joker. Absolutely incredible. 100% agree with you, Jordan. That's why it was my number one then, and it's still my number one choice right now. It's just amazing. Your number two and number three moments are the only ones I'd really argue, argue on. As I've complained about many times, I can't stand resurrections. They're an overused trope of the superhero genre that take away from the impact of the death in question and reduce the stakes moving forward. Jason Todd is the worst example of this, in my opinion. I love stories that explores Batman's psychology after he lost Jason, such as The Dark Knight Returns, The Lonely Place of Dying, Noel, and BVS. When Jason gets resurrected, it takes that away. For that reason, I don't hold Batman under the Red Hood in nearly as high regard as most fans. There's some good stuff in Batman vs. the Red Hood confrontation, the fight choreography, the voice performance, the Joker dialogue, but ultimately I can't get over how frustrating it is to me that Jason is alive again. It's not even my favorite scene in that film, the scene where the Joker kills all the black mess men with the glass at the, and the scene where Batman reminisces about Jason's first day at Robins are my favorite. So I'm going to have to disagree big time there. Yeah, the reasons you just mentioned right there, the choreography, voice performance, the Joker's dialogue, and just the themes it represents in that final moment is all why it's my <laughs> number two pick. So I guess we can agree to disagree on that one, Jordan. Then for the number three pick, which he's referenced to, uh, the Batman versus Bane fight from Over the Edge, that's what I put as my number three, um, is awesome. But for me, it isn't on the level of other moments on the list. I do think it's more worthy than the aforementioned scene from Under the Red Hood. The scene from Chill of the Night is incredible. I just wish the rest of Batman Brave and the Bold was that good. Diedrich Bader, who I honestly am not typically a fan of as Batman, even kills it in that scene. The scene in Batman Mask of the Phantasm where Bruce is begging his parents to release from his vow kills me. And the scene where Batman dons the bat suit for the first time you see Alfred's reaction is another that always gives me chills. The scene from Epilogue is incredible. Batman telling Ace that he knows what it's like to have your childhood taken away from you is such a touching and emotional moment, as is Batman confirming to Ace that she is dying. That's a scene that never fails to make me tear up. I liked your inclusion of the scene from Justice League The New Frontier, too. Jeremy Sista was such an underrated Batman. He was excellent. That line has to he has to Martian Manhunter about how he has a way to take him out if he wants to. It's just so Batman. 
Yeah, I kind of looking back on the list I made, Jordan, I would agree that maybe I put the Batman versus Bane fight a little too high. I mean, it's amazing. I love it. I mean, it something I've never seen before in Batman animation at that time, Bane and Batman fight to the death. It just blew me away. But some of the other stuff you mentioned here, like uh, epilogue and then the moment for Mass of the Phantasm, Brave and the Bold, I think looking back on it now, I probably rank those a little higher than that Batman Bane fight. Though so it would still be in my top 10. He continues saying, I was a lot higher on Batman 45 than you were, Tim. I thought it was amazing. Spoilers. To me, it felt like a mix of For the Man Who Has Everything, as was referenced in the issue. Flashpoint, the boosted goal going back in time to save Thomas and Martha, like Flash went back in time to save Nora in that story. And Batman Beyond, uh, with there being a bunch of Jokers running around. I thought Tom King did such a great job writing the back and forth between Booster and Skeets. It was hilarious, but I thought it actually fit really well despite how dark a story it is overall. While this issue was focused more on Booster than it was on Batman and Catwoman, and Catwoman's wedding still plays into this issue heavily, with what Booster did being intended as a wedding gift, so I love that about it. Can't wait to see what happens next. And since you guys were talking about them, I thought I'd chime in and say that I really enjoyed both of the most recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films. I found them to be a ton of fun. I wish it was more like, likely that there would be a third movie in this series. Don't blame me for the box office disappointment of Out of the Shadows. I was, at, I was, <laughs> I was the first one at my theater for a 6 p.m. Thursday night preview screening when it came out. Wow. By the way, Jeez. not only was there a DC connection with Green Arrow playing Casey Jones, but also Smallville's Aquaman in Titans Hawk, Alan Richardson, played Raphael. Yep, I was with you that same time, Jordan. I went to the first Thursday night showing for Out of the Shadows <laughs> as well. But unfortunately, my theater wasn't too crowded. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was you and two other people? It, oh, a little more than two, maybe ten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the first one did really good, but Out of the Shadows didn't do as nearly as well as the first one. But Yeah, so they're probably not going to do a third one. No. <laughs> you know what? Well, Jordan, I, I think they should just stick with the animated movies. I don't know why they don't just do that. I still want another really well-done live-action Ninja Turtles movie. In fact, I can't remember if I said this on the last episode. I might have, but I love a Netflix Daredevil-style Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. I would That would be my top choice for a live action or new live action interpretation of them. Let's do a like Netflix series like that. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I've always had the question um, about like, you know, these Marvel TV shows Mm. is, are those characters that they, you know, Marvel, Kevin Feige, Disney, whoever, right. Mm-hmm. Just don't care about like yeah you can have it go do whatever you want with it because we're not going to use it like you know Daredevil Jessica Jones uh, Luke Cage the Inhumans kind, kind of yeah I think yeah. they probably figured they talked to each other which characters you have plans for or not and I'm sure they probably worked out okay we don't have any media plans for Daredevil Jessica Jones Luke Cage Iron Fist you can go ahead and do that yeah they do their own thing. I mean, they're in the tech, they're all in the same universe, but I do wish the TV series would get acknowledged a little bit more in the movies. But at the same time, they're so separate that or Kevin Feige and his team are off doing their own thing. I guess they're not keeping track of what's going on in the TV yeah. universe. But I do wish they would reference like at least events or situation or characters. If they're not going to be in it, kind of reference something. It would be nice, but I understand why. Yeah, because I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, so so. Apparently, 
they're not going to use Daredevil. I mean, we tried the movie, did not work. Yeah. So, TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, nobody really knows who Jessica Jones is. Nobody knows who uh, Luke Cage is. Um, nobody knows who or what the hum- Inhumans are. Um, yeah. Nobody. Oh, that no- series totally flopped. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's why i bring it up um so like there is no connection between those shows and the mceu or just the mcu there's MCU. no e sorry part. sorry <laughs> only dc has the e yeah yeah, yeah. mcu there's I no mean, connection the, the tv shows make connections to the movies yeah. but the movies don't make references and connections yeah, to the connections TV shows. too yeah 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 but but i was thinking because they had like I mean, they weren't going to make an Agents of Shield TV show, right? And they they weren't going to make a. I mean, I mean, they were they weren't going to make an Agents of Shield movie. Yeah. And they weren't going to make a. Um, oh, what's the one with the the uh, uh, Steve Rogers love interest? Oh, uh, Peggy Carter. Mm. Yeah, Peggy Carter. What? That was a good series. What show was she in? A- Agent Carter. Yeah, Agent mm. Carter. So we're not going to do the Agent Carter movie. So we'll make TV shows out of it. Is that sort of their idea? Yeah. And maybe just, uh, you know, wanted to put that Marvel brand on network TV too. And oh. those were some of the better properties to do it with. You're right. Like they want to make movies out of them, but TV was a good spot to tell more stories with those characters. So. And speaking of TV, I'm getting so excited, Tim, for the star Wars live action Ooh, man, uh, yeah. <laughs> TV show. <laughs> I know from all it should be I mean the Disney streaming service comes out in 2019 so hopefully it launches with the Star Wars TV show. I can't imagine it not. I mean talk about a selling point <laughs> to get people to subscribe to it. So but, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there if they have that. Yeah, I'll be there regardless because you know it's coming eventually so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that either. But Jordan continues saying Batman Ninja is now out digitally so I'm assuming uh, you guys are waiting for the physical, so or at least me, <laughs> waiting for the physical copy. So I'll keep my thoughts spoiler-free for now. I enjoyed the film a lot. It's absolutely visually stunning. The story is pretty weird. At some points, a little too weird for my taste. But for the most part, I went with it because I appreciated the uniqueness of it. They do some really cool stuff with the Joker and Harley that I was very impressed with. While it's not on the level of what we got in Gotham by Gaslight, there were some great Batcat moments in the film that I loved. There are some excellent voice performances in the film, with the two standouts for me being actors repraising their roles from previous DC media, Greg Griffin as Catwoman and Tom Kenny as the Penguin. There are some pretty cool nods to other DC media and Batman Ninja as well, so keep an eye slash ear out for them. Hope you enjoy it. I sure did. Uh, well, you've heard Dane's thoughts on Batman Ninja earlier, so just have to wait a little bit for mine. <laughs> hopefully, like I said, hopefully I'll have it for the next episode. Yeah, yeah, and I'd probably agree with uh, Jordan. Um, it's really out there um it's visually stunning uh story like i said is pretty weird and weak so yeah i i I definitely agree with you jordan and as always jordan has a couple of questions to wrap up his email and his first one is what are your top five live action batman fight scenes for me it's number five the batman v superman battle in batman versus superman and number four the martha rescue in batman v superman Number three, the first Batman versus Bane fight in The Dark Knight Rises. Number two, the second Batman versus Bane fight in The Dark Knight Rises. And number one, Batman and Catwoman fighting together on the rooftop in The Dark Knight Rises. 
Yeah, this is a good question, Jordan. And number one for me is going to be the Batman warehouse fight in BVS. That was the Batman action sequence I was waiting for, and it really delivered. I mean, it looked cool in the trailers, but the fact that it was Batman trying to save uh, Martha Kent, I think, added to how cool it was as well. So that's my number one. Number two, I'm going to go Batman versus Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Said how so many times on this podcast how I like that fight. Now it lived up to my expectations and seeing Bane break Batman's back in live action was a moment to behold in the theater for the first time. The number three, I'm going to go with the Axis chemical fight in Batman 89. That's my favorite action sequence in Batman 89. And really one of the first true live action Batman scenes or Batman action sequences we've gotten in a live action film because when he faced the two muggers on the rooftop, it was cool, but you know, this is a short little skirmish, but seeing Batman take out several of uh, Jack Napier's men throughout the chemical factory was really cool. It's a lot of cool memories of seeing that for the first time. The number four, I'm going to go with the alley fight in Batman 89. I like the, you know, how Batman pretends he's dead, gets up, takes out a few thugs. But my favorite is when that guy with the knives and the swords comes out and he's just doing all these fancy moves and Batman's uh, blocking it with his arm, with his hands and his legs. And this, it was a cool choreography. And then he just takes him out pretty easily. Then he does that uh, finger motion of calling uh, uh, Bob to come face him. He just then Bob throws a knife and runs away. So I always like that action sequence as well. And then number five, I'll probably go with the Batman versus Superman fight in BVS. It, I, the fight didn't quite live up to my expectations, but at the same time, there was still some cool stuff. And just seeing Batman and Superman go at it in live action for the first time still was a cool thing to see. So I still put it in my top five. So that would be mine. How about you, Dave? Um, from least favorite favorite to okay. favorite, um, my least favorite is... Uh, the the Batman versus Superman warehouse fight, uh, just just the Batman part. Mm-hmm. Um, four would probably be uh, the end fight in eighty nine with okay. uh, the Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, three would be hmm uh, the because I just saw it for some reason. Um, oh, because the the Ninja Turtles movie kind of rips it off. Uh, <laughs> which one um the 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 dock fight because it's oh, the okay. same exact introduction <laughs> that they used in uh the ninja turtles 2014 movie uh two it's the um again <laughs> the ninja turtles kind of ripped it off and out of the shadows um not really a fight scene more of a driving scene um is the uh the 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 truck i guess uh harvey sort of transportation mm, fight okay. in uh dark knight uh number 1 is uh the the building fight in dark knight mm. yeah, yeah good choices i mean there's a lot of to choose from in there yeah. <laughs> i easily could make on lenny's list too <laughs> the, the dark fight ones are, now i'm starting to think i should probably have that in my top 5 cuz that was a great introduction to batman yeah so, and his second question is, how would you rank the DC animated short films over the years? For me, it's number eight, uh, the Jonah Hex from the DC Showcase. Number seven, Superman Shazam. Number six, Nightwing and Robin. Number five, Batman Strange Days. Number four, DC Showcase The Spectre. Number three, The Green Arrow. And number one, the DC Showcase Catwoman Chase Me. Yeah, for me, I actually forgot about that Nightwing and Robin one <laughs> until you mentioned it, Jordan. I know there's a little... 
like a, a minute and a half clip of them fighting Scarecrow and his goons and the Talon was looking out connected to the Batman versus Robin animated movie. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but I forgot about that one until you mentioned it. So I had to rewatch it. Oh, yeah, that's what that one was about. But my list would go. I guess I'll start from the bottom this time. Number eight, uh, Nightwing and Robin, the one just mentioned. It was pretty short. Nothing too much to it, in my opinion. Number seven, the Jonah Hex. Number six, the Spectre. Number five, Catwoman. Number four, Batman Strange Days. Number three, the Green Arrow. I think Green Arrow is the best out of those short uh, DC showcase ones. And number two, I'm going to go with the Batman Beyond short that uh, Darwin Cook did for the 75th anniversary. That one was really good. See Batman and Terry fighting these robot versions of Batman, all these different incarnations of Batman over the years was really cool. But number one is the Superman and Shazam because that was a lengthier animated short. And it was really cool seeing Superman and Shazam team up to fight Black Adam. So that would be my number one. I don't know. Have you seen too many of the shorts that DC's put out over the years? I have seen zero, Tim. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do want to mention, and uh, this is probably my favorite short film. I guess you, you can kind of call it a short film, a uh, Batman short film. It's the um, the part before the killing joke. Oh. <laughs> Dan, you had to bring that. <laughs> One an episode, Tim. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, yeah, if that was a separate short, we all would have been better off. That wasn't part of the killing joke. <laughs> but that's it for Jordan's email. He closes it by saying, as of my writing this, it's Superhero Day. So belated Superhero Day to you guys. Well, same to you, Jordan. And as always, thanks for the email and the questions. And with that, we can go ahead and get into the comic book reviews. And for this issue, or for this episode, it's going to be issues of Detective Comics number 980 and Batman number 47. And as always, going to go into spoilers as I review these episodes. If you haven't read the books yet, you might want to hold off, come back and read them, or come back after you read them, and then hear what uh, I thought of these books of Batman 47 and Detectives 980. And for our rating scale, Dane, what do you think it should be? You've got a lot of stuff to choose from on this one. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um I was thinking it could be awkward dance moves that Tim makes while <laughs> walking to the reception area <laughs> in Kyle's wedding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> uh, sadly, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, if that was me, I would just walk out. Uh, I just would have walked out of there. Like, like, <laughs> like, like just walked out to the dance floor just walked past <laughs> but would that be more embarrassing though because you're standing on that new and edit thing oh yeah plus two and, and you know i i mean i guess kyle and his wife want you to do the or that that's what they want you to do so mm. you know you Gotta don't want to be their wishes. yeah you don't want to yeah. be disrespectful <laughs> so for starting off with batman or i'll change that i actually go to a detective number 980 and a nine Issue 979, since we didn't review it, since we didn't do an episode two weeks ago, that one was mainly just Tim trying to fight the OMAC program that was taken over, but he couldn't, and he turns into like this OMAC Batman version. So this issue picks up after that, where a bunch of different OMACs, they're attacking the Gotham City Police Station with Tim as the OMAC Batman, uh, taking them now. Batwoman comes to stop them, and then they kind of start having this fizzle out. <laughs> can't even say the word <laughs> philosophical conversation about their views and you know how they're going about doing things and who's really the hero and villain and then as they're facing off each other batman spoiler and orphan or infiltrating you know the belfry where ulysses uh, is at controlling the omac and tim 
So they're there to stop him. And probably the favorite, the best part about this issue, you know, as they're all doing their job to try to stop him, is kind of mainly towards the end where Batman's facing off against Azrael and Batwing because they got infected with OMAC as well. But kind of the stuff that Tim makes uh, Batwoman see and then what Ulysses uh, makes Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Cain see. Because uh, it harkens back to some classic DC stuff where, in the case of Spoiler and Orphan, to try to stop them from shutting down uh, his program in the OMAX satellite, um, he shows them, you know, the stolen time timeline that they never got to experience by showing them in their Batgirl costumes. So we get to see Stephanie Brown in her Batgirl costume and Cassandra Cain in her amazing and I think still the best <laughs> Batgirl costume. And they're just shocked to see themselves that way because never in a million years will they thought where they're at now they'd be able to take on the mantle of Batgirl. And I really like Cassandra Kane's reaction when she sees it, like just how amazed and like, pretty much happy she is that there's a version of her out there that gets to wear the bat symbol and just how much that symbol means to her and the fact that she gets to wear that and wear the mantle of Batgirl means so much to her. So it's great to see their reactions. And then uh, Tim is making, or OMAC Tim, I should call him, is making uh, Kate see the alternate future where she ruins everything by you know, taking the colony and into the Batcave and killing Bruce Wayne. Tim trying to show her uh, the future and why she needs to die and all that. So we don't, I don't believe we really get to see the outcome of that conversation. We mainly at the end of the issue focus on what Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown react to seeing themselves at Batgirl. And it was a great reaction as Ulysses thinks is that he's, this is going to break them and have them stop from completing their mission. And Stephanie Brown just ends up laughing. And that's cool without the issues we're seeing old panels of like Stephanie as uh, Robin before she was Batgirl and Cassandra Kane training with Barbara as Oracle. So just great look back into, you know, stuff in DC history that's slowly being brought back with rebirth and the stuff that made these characters great. So Stephanie Brown just starts laughing when Ulysses goes, you'll be broken to see that you'll just be second rate heroes and never measure up to these versions of yourselves. And Stephanie just Brown just goes, you know, what? you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot more than laughing. I'm realizing that, you know, you wanted to hurt us by showing this, but like, Actually, you just made us more determined to stop you because there's somewhere out there we were good enough to become Batgirl. And, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what timeline or what universe that's in. It just means we're freaking amazing. That's her exact words. It's just going to use that to take down Ulysses. So I did like that reaction and, you know, getting to have themselves see what they were in past DC continuity. So that was a standout in this issue. And it also had a great cover where you got Batman, Orphan, and Spoiler uh, on the building, but behind them, you see their silhouettes you know, for Orphan and back, or spoiler, you see their silhouettes of their Batgirl costume, which was cool. So um, I'm going to give this issue three and a half out of five awkward dance moves that I had to make while going down the aisle to Kyle's reception at his wedding. So <laughs> I had to do a lot of embarrassing moves for this issue. <laughs> and then Batman number 47. Uh, again, I didn't get to review Batman 46 on our last, it, or since we didn't record an episode two weeks ago, but that one is mainly Booster Gold screwing things up more, where he tries to find Catwoman in this alternate timeline to try to get Bruce to see and change things and have him go back in time. But this makes things worse. Like Catwoman is just almost like a feral, real feral cat <laughs> in that issue, where he brings her to Bruce at Wayne Manor and his parents are there, and she ends up killing or slicing Thomas Wayne's neck, and then the Dick Grayson Batman, who's wearing who's like, this gun-toting Batman, just shoots up. Shoots Catwoman, shoots Martha Wayne. This ends up 
becoming a bloodbath and Booster Gold just makes things worse. So Bruce ended up losing his parents in issue 40, 46. So in issue 47, it begins one year later where we see Skeets being repaired on a, on a table and he's back online. Then we see Bruce just taking out his frustration by going to a targeting range, shooting out these targets of Batman and Catwoman since he hates them so much for, you know, they're the ones who killed his parents now in this timeline and Booster Gold to blame. And he's being held prisoner in the Batcave by Batman being chained up. He has long hair and a big beard. But Bruce is going to have his own plan to fix things. He's, now that Skeets is back in operation, he needs to get Booster Gold and Skeets to have him go back in time to a year ago to stop Booster Gold from bringing Catwoman to kill his parents. So that's his plan. But once Booster Gold hears this, he starts formulating his own plan to fix things from this from from him even going back to stopping the original Wayne murders. So he tells Bruce, you know, you can't give me a specific date and time. You have to actually tell me an event that happened in that timeline for me to go back. Like, so you have to tell me like where, where to take us. So he goes, okay, take me like 10 minutes before my parents were killed. And Bruce says, Oh, that's perfect. So Skeets take us to 10 minutes before Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. And he gives them a wink. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Not this Bruce's Bruce Wayne's parents, but are Bruce Wayne's uh, parents like the time where they were killed, the normal one. And so he goes like, why do you just wink? What are you up to? And then Bruce is like, he pretty much had it with Booster Gold. He knows he's up to something. And so Bruce is just telling Skeet, you know, like, hurry up, hurry up. Let's go to when Bruce's parents were killed. And before this version of Bruce is able to shoot Booster Gold in the head, we see the bang on the panel, but then we get transported back to Bruce with his parents at the theater. So Booster's plan worked around the rooftop 10 minutes before the actual Wayne murders happens. And we get the, uh, uh, you know, the time paradoxes and loops where the other booster goals who originally went back to stop the Wayne murders is encountering the current booster goals. So there's two booster goals here. One, you know, they got the one booster goal is trying to stop the other booster goal from stopping the Wayne murders. It's complicated time travel stuff, but Stuff comic fans and sci-fi fans, I'm sure, are used to. So wasn't too much of a confusing thing, but they're going through the normal tropes of time travel stuff. So uh, they're, they end up both boosters end up stopping the parallel version of Bruce Wayne from killing each other. And while they do that, they're occupied fighting that Bruce Wayne. Uh, Bruce's parents are get killed in the alley like normal. So things were able to go back to normal. But it's a pretty I like did like how it was laid out, made for a powerful moment where. As Bruce's parents are going to get killed by Joe Chill, we see this version of Bruce Wayne just hearing the gunshots go off. And he just goes, no, as he kind of knows what that means. And he just you know screams out for his mother and father as the young Bruce Wayne is doing the same as he's looking at their bodies in the alley. And But the older Bruce Wayne just can't take it anymore. He lost his parents again, and he's going to kill himself. He puts the gun to his head. And the next panel we see is this like, one page of Bruce or Gold of visor with this alternate Bruce Wayne shooting himself in his head before, you know, he gets erased out of existence because they change things back to normal. And that's where the issue ends with Booster telling the current, the normal Batman and Catwoman, everything that he did for his gift and just saying how there's this blood stain on his goggles that he just can't seem to get off. But he, you know, he's going, you know, you guys understand your heroes, you know, your family, but I can't like, I thought I could be like you and do this and get you a gift. But um, then he, makes an example of how like, he has to do something. He has to clean going back, like clean it. At least I took it as him. You know, if I don't clean it, everything will look wrong. 
kind of like how, what he did in the alternate timeline. He's trying to clean his goggles because it doesn't look right. And that's what he had to do and fix that timeline that he messed up on. And he goes like, you guys see it too, right? But Bruce and Selena don't say anything. They, they're just speechless throughout his whole confession. So that's where the issue ends. So this whole story arc, the gift, um, uh, I didn't really quite enjoy it. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great. I don't think too necessary because I just really think Booster Gold acted out of character with thinking this was a good idea to do and get them this gift for Bruce to experience that life. But like I said this before, the first story or the first part of this story arc where uh, reading an adventure he just had with Superman, how much he was saying you can't change the time like this and really stressing that to Superman when he tried to prevent Krypton from uh, being or not prevent it from being destroyed, but to see how Jor-El survived and changing certain things. But he just kept stressing to Superman, you can't do that. I mean, but he did something far more worse <laughs> after he was preaching to Superman. So it was, I just felt him to be really hypocritical in this story arc and just doing this thing he thought as a gift. I think that heroes doing it because thinking he'd be like heroes would understand this and he was a hero too. So I just didn't quite buy into his motivations for doing all this and just making things so much worse. So I'm going to give this issue two and a half out of awkward dance moves that I had to make walking down the aisle at Kyle's wedding. So not too many for this issue. So I'm looking forward to the next arc to get started. What has to do with the Joker. So can't wait to see how he's going <laughs> to view Batman and Catwoman's wedding. Cause there is a, that DC like, preview that came out i think on free comic book day that tease of what it's going to be like with joker waiting for his invitation was pretty dark and creepy so uh, if it's anything like that i think we're in could be in for a pretty cool arc with joker having to deal with the fact that batman's getting married so i'm looking forward to that just wasn't a big fan of this booster gold arc but with that that's going to do it for the comic book reviews and for the episode it was a long one but we had a lot to catch up on <laughs> and it made for some fun discussion so as always, I guess I'll throw it to you, Dane, for the outro. Okay, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse. This show's Twitter handle is at BatFans27. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. And my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. Uh, you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. And yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, we got it covered. Okay. Uh, so like we say at the end of every single episode Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our bat, turtles, and cobra hearts. <laughs> <laughs> cobra hearts. Uh, see you guys next time. See you next time everybody. <laughs>